Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What a weekend of sports. So many stories, so many storylines, so many things going on. I don't even know where to start. I guess we could start Friday with the Utes and the Aggies both winning their divisions. We expected them to roll. They both rolled. Uh, Utah State probably feels better about their win than the Utes feel about theirs. But we'll hear from Kyle Whittingham in a minute. Uh, The Utes got the victory. And now they're off to Vegas to face Oregon. BYU got win number 10, so they got to feel good about that. 10 and 2. A lot of injuries, need a lot of depth, need a lot of guys to come through, maybe hadn't played that much. Release the Kraken! Release McChesney! <laughs> Three big carries at the end of the game and the game winning touchdown. They beat USC 5 0 against the Pac 12, 10 and 2 on the year. I don't think they're going to a New Year's Six Bowl. I always thought that was a long shot. They need a lot of stuff to break their way, and it just doesn't look like stuff's breaking their way. But nonetheless, it's a 10-win season, and they're ranked in the top 15 teams in the country. With a bowl win, they might get to the top 10, but they got a lot of momentum. So you got to love that if you're BYU. And also, BYU beat Utah in basketball. Close game for a half, then in the second half, BYU pulls away and gets the win. We will hear from Mark Pope, the coach of the Cougars, coming up this morning as well. And the Jazz, a disaster of a loss Friday to New Orleans, put it on the list. They are racking up so many bad losses. Now, they did bounce back Saturday and blew the Pelicans out, so... Maybe Friday was rock bottom, and now they turn it around and go on a roll from there and pile up a bunch of wins. But I've said that after they lost to Indiana, and I said that after they lost. Oh, never mind. I don't even want to recount all the times I've said that. But uh, they need to do it because the Suns keep winning, and the Warriors keep winning. Warriors won again. They're 18-2. and two. They're just winning 90% of their games. No big deal there. So they're crushing it. Uh, We'll hear from the Jazz coming up as well. All right, a lot to get to. Let's start with Kyle Whittingham at the podium after the Utes beat Colorado. They are 9-2 against Colorado in Pac-12 play. Absolutely dominated. Did not play their best game. Uh, Thought they were really good on defense. Uh, Didn't play their best game on offense, but... It was good enough. They get the win, and they're off to the Pac-12 title game. Here's Kyle Whittingham. Okay, yeah, I thought our uh, defense played exceptionally well today. Um, 148 yards and uh, zero touchdowns, and so uh, it's about as good as it gets. I'm proud of those guys. Uh, offensively, weren't as efficient and didn't execute quite as well as we have been over the last uh, stretch, six, seven weeks, but... Uh, did enough to win the football game. Wasn't our best performance. Credit Colorado. Played hard. Uh, had a good plan coming in and uh, slowed us down a little bit. But, uh, you know, it's a, a good conclusion to the regular season. And, uh, like I said, did what we needed to do in the final analysis. Uh, and now we got to sit back and wait and find out who our opponent's going to be uh, this coming Friday down in Las Vegas. And uh, as soon as we know who that's going to be, then we'll get started. If not sooner, we'll, we'll start on, you know, some just – uh, prelim- preliminary stuff uh, for all three teams, and so we'll we'll figure that out as we go along. So questions? Uh, you played all three teams, so I mean you got tape at least on it. What's, what's it like to be able to just sit there and wait, knowing that you do have some planning available? Well, uh, we wish we knew right this second, so I can go over to the office right now and get started. But but. Uh, my understanding is, uh, you know, there's three different combinations or possibilities, and by 5 p.m. tomorrow we should know. Uh, playing each of the teams, no advantage. I mean, they've played us as well, so so there really is no uh, big deal in, in that as far as I can tell. And, and uh, you know, of course, we, we uh, didn't 
do so well against Oregon State. They played very well against us. Had the uh, got a win against the other two teams, but but uh, all that'll be out the window, and it'll be a you know this game will be its own entity, and we got to play well. I think we have. I think we have. And uh, key was to stay healthy tonight. I believe we did that. We might have a few bumps and bruises, but but uh, we got a full week. Uh, it's not a short week, so we sh- should get some guys healed up. But uh, I think it was a positive ending to the season. Positive ending to a very positive season, but we still have work to do. Britton said that uh, it was you know, naturally just hard to focus on this game with Pac-12 coming up with that being your goal. But- is that kind of hard for you guys to focus on? Obviously, you've got to get a win over Colorado, but mm-hmm. Pac-12 has always been your goal and where you want to win. Yeah, well, the, the week of practice was outstanding. You know, there was no drop-off in work ethic or focus or concentration, and so that was an indicator that uh, you know we were we had the right mindset. We just weren't as as. Uh, we didn't have the look in our eye like we did last week, you know. But but we did, like I said, we did play well enough to win. And and uh, again, Colorado deserves credit for uh, for playing hard. To hold the team to under 150 total yards, you got to be happy with that. This day and age, that's not easy to do. And uh, great job by our defense. And uh, I think they only had less than 10 first, yeah, nine first downs. And so uh, a lot of really good stuff by that defense. They were active. They flew around. And. Uh, you know, just gave up those couple of field goals, and of course the other touchdown came on another kickoff return, which was uh, something that we thought we had corrected, but uh, not tonight, not this afternoon. You had a few of those fourth down situations where there was a turnover on downs. Is that maybe more indicative of where things are with the co- the, the kicking team versus maybe just thinking you could get to it? I think it's both. Uh, it's uh, analytics first of all. It's what we see in practice all week long with the field goal unit uh, at the confidence level. So there's a lot that goes into that, but but predominantly it's analytics. I mean that's the that's the thing that that uh, you know we lean on pretty heavily, and uh, we I don't think we made a decision that went against the analytics tonight at all. I think it was all pretty much in line. How cool was it to have the uh, 22 forever decal on your guys' helmets as you guys play your last game in the state? It was great, and uh, just to have that tribute one more time to see that between the third and fourth quarters was awesome. It, it's uh, you know it's emotional for me every time I see it, and and uh, you know those guys, we love those guys. They're in the forefront of our minds all the time, and uh, you know to continue to memorialize them and pay tribute to them is I think it's awesome. Talking to Britton Covey, he, he, he said that uh, you, you guys have turned something tragic into something beautiful. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that 100%. And I think our, our players deserve so much credit for, for how they've gotten through this and and uh, the way they've handled it. And just the the and the and leadership on this team is really the, the ones that are responsible for that, including Britt Covey, the captains, and all the other upperclassmen. Any more questions for Coach? Okay, thanks guys. We'll see you in Vegas. If your budget allows. <laughs> All right, there is Kyle Whittingham. When we come back, a little basketball. We'll hear from Mark Pope and Quinn Snyder. Stay with us. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time for a little basketball. Time to hear now from BYU basketball coach Mark Pope. They beat the Utes, a true road game. Get the road win. Those count a lot more than home wins. Actually, they count more than the neutral courts victories, but they count a lot more than the home game. So good for BYU to go on the road and get a win. As uh, It's not only so much about making the NCAA tournament for them. We'll have to see how it plays out. There's a lot of basketball to go, but it's probably more about seeding. Uh, here's Mark Pope after BYU pulls away from Utah in the second half and wins the game. 
Can, can we ask you how brave the officials were here this year? It's going to haunt me for the rest of forever, but that's okay. These rivalry games are great. They're super emotional. They're always tough. You throw the rankings and the stats and everything out the, else out the window, and um, it, they're just always tough. And this is a, you know, Craig's a, a terrific coach, and he's going to he's going to bring unbelievable life back into this program. It's going to make the rivalry better and better and better. And so we're just super grateful. We, we came in here, and the guys fought. What do you attribute the rebound margin? Well, listen, Utah's unbelievable. They're the sixth-ranked rebounding team percentage-wise in the country, and um, and so you know we knew that coming in. We, you know, it's every single. It's so funny. It's been the first thing on our board every single game, legitimately for us, because we just have faced great rebounding team after great rebounding team, and this was the highest-rated rebounding team we'd faced. I think it hurts them. Clearly, it hurts them not to have um, um, Marco Anthony. Marco Anthony, sorry. Marco Anthony and Dusan. Certainly, it hurts them. Those are their best two rebounders, so that hurts them. But our guys have our guys have been successful so far this season and six games successful against everybody on the glass. And it's saving us because there's some other things we're not doing great right now. But, you know, we started this season with, a, you know, our analytics. We go so deeply in depth, and we just reduced it in a sense of more better, less worse. We talk about it every single day. And today, we crushed it a moment or less worse. We only had eight turnovers, uh, seven or eight, seven or eight, and maybe eight turnovers. And, and we had, you know, 18 offensive rebounds, and that's a whole lot of momenta. Things seem to open up a little bit offensively in the second half. Um, Caleb told us it was pace. Yeah, exactly. what, what yeah you know, it's, it's interesting. You feel this all the time. You come into, you know, this is our first true road game, and it also is a rivalry game. So it was just, you know, you walk into a gym, and there's, it's a different energy. Like, we played in front of way bigger crowds in our own arena, but the energy is different. And um, our guys didn't respond to that energy great. Um, you know, what happened was everything in the game of basketball, everything, the gravity is trying to pull you away from pace. The other team's physicality and athleticism and length trying to pull you away from pace. Your own nervousness pulling you away from pace. Uncertainty is pulling you away from pace. The gra- energy of the crowd can pull you away from pace. And so we'll get better and better uh, dealing with that. We, we, had, we, we had way better pace in the second half than we did in the first. That's guys sprinting the ball screens. That's a nice cut hard. That's guys coming off ball screens and really aggressively looking to get downhill instead of just taking one bounce and just moving it on. All those things are so crucial to the way we play, and we're going to get better at it. What do you think of Caleb Lohner's performance coming back here with the history and everything? Yeah, I couldn't be more proud of Caleb. I mean, you know, his road is not easy, right? He's, uh, he is, uh, you know, he's... He just is such a diligent worker, and he's 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 got so much ability to his game that it almost makes it harder because there's so much you can do. And so he's done a nice job, especially the last two or three games, kind of honing in on his home base. And for him to roll in here and have a double double and be so dominating on the glass, and decision only one turnover, his decision making so good, his defense elite level. You know, he switched one through four, all bottom changes almost the whole second half, and so. He's He's got to guard every different guy on the floor, and he's a elite-level defender. So all those things, I was super proud of him happy for. Did you guys take better advantage of the focus they had defensively on Alex in the second? Because it seemed like they were trying to make some other guys make plays. Yeah, and then that's okay. It actually helps us with our spacing sometimes. You saw some open rolls were hard because we're putting Alex in the tag position. So guys are like, wait, I can't go tag. And so all of a sudden, Gav's getting an open roll. Foo's getting an open roll. Caleb getting an open roll. And so, you know, we can move him around. Tijan gives us such a, a, a luxury of 
kind of manipulating where Alex is. You notice that we don't have to have the ball in his hands. He can actually be really effective without the ball in his hands. Clearly, he's super effective with the ball in his hands. Yeah, how important was it for Lucas to have 18 points? I think that's his season high. Yeah, and you know, he's gone 17 and 18 the last two games. Yeah, is that 18, right? 18, 18 and 18. And um, so uh, it's really important. And, and, and listen, like Alex is creating a lot of that space for him. And so teams have to choose. They're like, are we going to let him get downhill to rim or are we going to actually get off the gap? So, you know, one, Utah and a lot of teams, they'll, they'll handle a ball screen with a weak side tag or a strong side gap. They handle the ball handle with a strong side gap and, the, and they handle the, the roll with a weak side tag. But if Alex Barcelo is a strong side gap and you make the conscious decision not to, not to mess with him, then there's no there's nobody to handle the ball screen, right? And so and if and if, if you if you avoid the tag because you want to stay on him, there's nobody to handle the tag, and that gets really complicated, right? You can mix it up and move it around a hundred different ways, and things happen fast on the court, and so it's it's costly to, on this team the way we play to make a commitment to take Alex Barcel out of the game because you're giving guys layups and rolls. You guys are nationally ranked, six and zero. Is this team where you thought it would be at this stage of the season? Um, I'm I'm way more proud of. You know, I was hoping we'd be a great team on the glass. I was hoping last year's team was going to be a dominant team on the glass, and we were really good. This team has a chance to be great, um, so I'm really pleased with that. I'm really pleased with our defensive effort. We were a little scattered in the first half, but I thought we did better. Still, we broke some rules in the second half. Um, you know, I feel like offensively we can get way better. You know, I mean, it's, it's crazy because we're so effective on the offensive glass and because we're not turning the ball over. We're still a top 25 offensive team. When it feels like we're not playing beautiful basketball like we have, you know, traditionally, and so we'll get there. The ceiling's really high for this group. Any concern with the three-point shooting? No. Um, you know, listen, it's three-point shots are hard to read them, right? So, and especially the other thing that we've talked about a lot is, let's say you say a couple of my guys aren't shooting well, so you're going to kind of sag off them. Guess what? It's really hard. You know, every game that we're having three or four or five offensive rebounds from the three-point line, meaning our guys start the three-point line running, and when you're not locked in your guy, it gets really hard to block a guy out when he's got three or four steps of steam getting to the rim, and our guys are going so hard right now, it's going to come. Like, I'm not worried about it. You know, uh, Gideon George hasn't shot well, but he made a massively huge three today, right? It was really important at a crucial moment of the game. Like, these guys are going to shoot it better and better and better, and in the meantime, if they keep doing their job on the glass like they are, it's pretty special. This, this, this team, we got to get better, but in the first six games, we've rebounded really well. More, would you say more better? More, better, less, worse. More, so the idea is, so it's just this simple. We, we were out with Sacramento State, actually. Sacramento State. Sacramento Kings, sorry. We did a big uh, thing, and that's where we've done that. We do that with a lot of NBA teams, but it just happened to be that. When they talked about how they've been really working hard for the last 10 years in the league to get more efficient shots, right? And so it's kind of tapped out. Now it's like nobody gets anything besides twos, right? And so it's kind of like they've tapped out. They've almost ceiling out on it. So now the emphasis is how can I make my roster get more shots by protecting the ball and get more offensive rebounds? How can I get more and, and more steals, right? And so so, so the reducing all of our analytics, like our foundation that we keep coming back to is we get more shots and better shots and are we giving up less shots and giving up worse shots? That's the goal. All the analytics actually push you back to that very simple statement. So he said Mo better because it just sounds swaggy. There is Mark Pope, BYU basketball coach, as the Cougars remain unbeaten and give the Utes 
their first loss. Now, the Jazz lost on Friday, but they won big on Saturday night. Quinn Snyder after the game, after the Jazz, pick up the win. You know, for every team, and certainly for us, you know, particularly of late, you know, our ability to understand that, you know, how we approach the game and how we play the game um, is something that hopefully we have, you know, more control over. There's often, there's a lot of things that happen in the game, but, you know, the things that were different tonight than last night are the things um, that we need to have focus on and continue to make them important no matter who we're playing, you know, whatever the score is on those things. That's a, that's a habit too. So it's a, it's a level of, and it's a mental habit, but it's something that, um, that we have to continue to cultivate. And, you know, the, the, the difference is not going to be who we run a play for at a given time or who's making a shot or, you know, there, there are things that are more intangible than that. Um, you know, and we're going to continue to have teams that are up to play us, you know, and prepared to play us. And, you know, that's an opportunity for us to, to get, to get better. We can't allow those things to, to splinter us. The game's hard enough. Well, I, I think, you know, I think everybody was focused on um, the details of the game that could help the team. I mean, our, our focus was on the group, um, whether that is, you know, the, the simplest things, the simplest executional detail, um, you know, being spaced two feet to your left instead of standing where you are, you know, running harder in transition, passing the ball ahead, you know, all the things that, that I know we know how to do, um, but we just have to make them important because when they're important, you know, you're just going to do them more. And when we do those things more, we, you know, we get the kind of results we had tonight as opposed to last night. So, um, you know, that's, that's the challenge for a group. We've got a lot of guys that, you know, are capable of scoring the ball and not everybody's going to get shots each game. Not everybody's going to score each game. You know, it's just, that's the reality of, you know, what our team is, you know, Rudy Gobert tonight, I think got four shots, you know, because Valanciunas was back, you know, basically underneath the rim. It's determined not to let him get below the, but our guards did a better job of, making reads in the lane and having our eyes out. And so everybody plays a role and, you know, you can't get outside your role on a given play um, because it's going to change every, every possession. There's going to be different things that need to be done. And the way that we want to play, you know, requires everybody to, to do that, you know, and we can't lose our resolve to do those things because we're individually not getting something out of the game that, that we want. It has to be, you know, a collective, collective mindset. And frankly, with the group we have, um, you know, th those, it's, those things are challenging, you know, because we've got a lot of guys that can make plays and, um, and shoot the ball. And, but if that's what we're about, you know, that that's not going to be enough, you know, maybe enough on a given night, but, that's not the team that we need to be in order to win on the level we need to win on. What was the process over the last 24 hours to kind of share that message with them of like, Hey, this is about the collective. Yeah. I, I, I think it, you know, 
talked about, I don't, the difference between being self-centered and, and selfish, we're not a selfish team, but I think we, as people, you know, can, can have that. That's, that's probably our nature, you know, is to think about ourselves and, um, to the extent that, you know, tonight we were thinking about our teammate and thinking about the team. That's one of the beautiful things about, you know, this game is that, you know, when the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, you know, and that's what, that's what it felt like tonight. So I don't think there's anything magical about it. You know, I think, um, we've got a core group of guys that have experienced that and know it, um, you know, deep in their bones. Um, and we've got some, some new guys that, um, you know, I, I think are adapting to that and, and want to be a part of that. So, um, but I, it's not like, it's not just easy. You know, I think that it requires a level of commitment and the level of, um, you know, selflessness and for our team, because of the way we're built, that's even more important. You know, it's, it's, more valuable to us when we can do it um, because we get those types of possessions that we're all, you know, that's the neat thing. If you say jazz basketball, we, we kind of know what that looks like. Um, so when it's not happening, you know, sometimes it's not happening as frequently as others due to whatever external circumstances, but we know what that means. And those guys, you know, I think really responded to that tonight, you know, and we were, we were more connected in a lot of ways. And that's, that's what we get, even in the littlest things, setting screens, you know, pick and roll defensively. And it feels good. It's gratifying to, to play that way, not just to win, but to play that way. Focus and continuity of effort have been big talking points recently. Seems like those were more there than I was already. I, I, I think – just not to correct you, Eric, but I think consistency of effort, I think, frankly, continuity is, is can be overrated. Um, we're not the same team as we were last year. Like to the extent that you bring back a core group of guys, everybody's different. You know, everybody's had different experiences from the time the playoffs ended, you know, to this year. So I think that because of that, um, you know, that finding a, a new level of consistency is, is something we have to work towards. And, you know, that, that, you know, to, to do that, you have to be really focused and, you know, we've got to be clear about what those things are. And I think tonight, um, the biggest thing I could say for us offensively is that we make quick decisions. You know, if the ball stops, if we shot fake, if we, you know, try to figure out what we want to do next, um, you know, that slows down that process for us. So whether it's shoot it, pass it, you know, or drive it, if those decisions can come quickly, um, that's where we find, um, you know, that connectivity and that, that takes a lot of folks. There's jazz coach Quinn Snyder. Here's their star player, Donovan Mitchell. You know, it's good to feel that good to, to play that way. And now he's got to continue to do it uh, again and again. Some of the conversations like um, last night to to gain time today. Honestly, I kind of knew it was going to end up like this tonight because no, we didn't really say much. It was kind of quiet, you know. It was, it was like abnormally quiet pregame. You know, you hear chatter like, but like once we broke it down, brought it in or whatever, um, the guys just sat there and just 
kind of got in their, their zone, you know, and that's when you kind of knew uh, that we had to answer. And we did, you know, we did a lot of things right uh, tonight. <laughs> we played a full game tonight. And like I said, you know, we did what we're supposed to do tonight. We took care of business, but, you know, I think we're all like, okay, this is good, but, you know, we got a test Monday, you know, and we got to be able to do this, put this performance together Monday and the day is coming forward, but this is a good start. What's the keys to that then? Like translating this so that it's not so up and down. Just look like I said last night. The focus was there. The energy, intensity, um, um, shots were falling, which always helps. Don't get me wrong, but you have five guys, you know, double figures, whatever that that helps. But you know, we were locked in. We were honing in on what we had to do: getting hits, getting rebounds, getting stops. And then we got out and pushed in transition. That's the game we're supposed to play. That's the game we've been playing, and we just did it at a high level tonight. Um, and you know we'll take it tonight, but we gotta we gotta get ready for Monday. What felt different for you personally? Um, just slowing down. You know, I, I feel like I watched the film of last night's game, and when I talked to you guys, I felt worse than what it looked like to me. To be honest with you, um, outside of maybe five shots, I wasn't really I wasn't really upset with the looks I got. I missed a bunch. Um, you know, uh, some decisions I think were, were a little subpar. Um, I think the best, biggest thing was just being aggressive, attacking in attack mode. I missed some finishes that I made tonight, you know, and now on top of that, I was guarding, you know, a little bit differently. So for myself, it was like, okay, you know, you're taking those steps and, you know, just taking it day by day. And when you're going through, you know, a shooting slump or whatever, it's just time to double down on what you do and work and film and not really get over, you know, overreact to it. You know, I had a good game tonight and, I got to do it on Monday. I got to do it the day after that. So it's not really, you know, it's good to have a good game, but at the end of the day, this is what I'm supposed to do. So I got to go out there and do it again. Uh, shots were falling. The ball, ball was moving and popping. How, how much did that have to do with your team's perimeter defense? Um, New Orleans didn't even make a three-pointer until late in the third quarter. Yeah, I didn't notice that until to the fourth. Um, you know, like I said, we were locked in and focused. And when we're that team – for 48 minutes, we're a pretty tough team to beat. Um, it, acts, it helps that we made shots, but I feel like if if we hadn't made a three-pointer all game, but we guard like that, we would have been in a good position to win the game anyway. You know, I feel like that's how good our defense was. We're talking, communicating, getting hits, rebounding. Um, so that that's what ultimately takes us to the next level. The shooting is going to be there. It's going to happen. It's going to come off until come, but defensively, we got to be that team all the time. Joe, it's just so good. Offensive glass, and then, you know, you guys are searching Rudy Gobert out there, starting a lot between you and Joe are fighting there. Are you guys talking about how to make that happen and, and kind of yeah, just, the ball Yeah, just, just making it tough. It starts with the ball pressure. Rudy did a good job of that, you know. Biggs, him, and H to kind of make it tough. Um, he's a talented player, you know, especially they recognized that from last night. We started switching um, with Brandon Ingram, and they didn't really take advantage of it too much last game. Um, even their commentators were talking about it, and I think they made it a point to try and go there. And we did a good job of just being able to make it tough. You know, at the end of the day, I'm 6'2", he's 7 feet, you know, and, and we're not as tall, but at the end of the day, it's making it tough. Um, you know, Royce did a really good job of that last game on him. You know, every time he got switched, we kind of just were like, you got it. And that's what we, we do at Roy. So um, just making it tough. And just, just like I said, our defensive and pressure and intensity just made it tough on them. What are the things that you guys do most consistently to make the ball movement work? Well, first off, we just run. You know, uh, when you run and you don't have to call a player possession after a make, 
that changes the game as well, you know, and then you come down and it's, you know, you're moving the ball, quick passes and just playing free and playing easy. And um, I think that was it tonight, just moving the ball, just swing, swing, side to side and not really overthinking, just going out there and playing free. Want to triple double watch? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not gonna lie, but you know, at the end of the day, um, we took care of business, so I didn't have to even get to that point. <laughs> um, that's what I'm happy about. You know, we took care of what we need to take care of. Um, we haven't had one in a while. I, I do know that. Um, so we'll see who who gets it. Um, uh, but I was close in three quarters, so we'll see. Maybe Monday. At the end of the day, take care of business. You want to get everyone involved, and it's not about the sacks. Would you like to be the one to get? That'd be cool. I mean, I've never had one in my career. I don't think so. I mean, that'd be cool to have one, you know, for the first time. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, whoever gets it gets it. You know, it'd be cool to have it. It'd be cool for me to do it my first time. Uh, but if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Just trying to contribute to a win. All right, there is Donovan Mitchell. There's some basketball for you as the Cougars beat the Utes on Saturday and the Jazz blow out the Pelicans and split two games with New Orleans on Friday and Saturday. When we come back, the Cougars get the win in the L.A. Coliseum. You'll hear from Kalani Sataki as well as Tyler Algier, quarterback Jaron Hall, Max Tooley as well. Stay with us. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 the zone. Late in the second quarter, it looked like BYU was going to blow USC out. They had the lead. They were driving. If they score there, they got the ball to start the third quarter. Uh, I'm sure there were Cougar fans thinking it's 28-10. It could be 35-10. It'll be over. Except they threw a pick. USC kicked a field goal. And USC ended up making a game right to the bitter end. But BYU gets the win. They get out of the Coliseum with their 10th win of the year. Let's hear from the Cougars now. Star running back Tyler Algier, the quarterback Jaron Hall, Max Tooley, and head coach Kalani Sataki right here on The Zone. Even if you guys gave up a field position, you were able to kind of step, like just stem the tight offensively, or defensively, I should say. How much do you trust your defense in those situations? I mean, obviously, uh, oh, that was louder than I thought. <laughs> um, you know, we're all about sudden change. You know, things happen, big plays happen. Um, defensively, there's there's nothing much you can do when they're down there, but you know, minimize the the reward for them. Um, and coming away on the first drive, especially with a field goal, you know, that was a that was a tiring drive. I'll be honest, I was gassed and I was like, I don't know if I was ready for the full game, but um, you know, we just trust in our guys. We trust in everybody to to do their 111th and uh, you know, trust the, the offense as well that they'll come back and uh, score a touchdown, whatever they need to do. So. Well, Tyler was just spent. You could see that he was just so tired, and, and uh, he's been banged up all year long. And so um, we just needed him to. I think he's running on fumes at that time, you know. And, and uh, the, the fumble. I mean, the, uh, credit to USC. They're bringing a lot of. Um, I mean, a lot of physicality to the game and tackling well. They, they're striking him really hard, and, and um, I think he just. He knew at that moment that he probably wasn't ready to go, and um, we trust Jackson McChesney to get in there and make plays, and obviously he broke tackles and scored a touchdown for us, and uh, we, we feel like we have a lot of depth on this team, and, and even at that position, so uh, I was just proud of our guys stepping up, but <clears throat> Tyler, I'm, that's a true leader when he knows that uh, he could possibly hurt the team and that he needs to rest, that, you know, just given the uh, opportunity to Jackson um, was huge, so uh, that, that's a true sign of a leader. <clears throat> you, you haven't had to 
you get a come from behind win in almost two years, uh, where you have to come from behind. What does that say about your guys and this year's team? Well, I mean, I'm just really proud of the guys. You know, you look at the um, stats, and, and, and we're, we're down a bunch of guys on defense. And, and um, not to make it a lot of excuses, but, I mean, we're missing, you know, Keenan, uh, Ellis, and Keenan Pelia. We're missing uh, Chaz. We're missing, <clears throat> you know, Peyton. I'm missing Zoe. So there's a bunch of guys that we're missing. And so we have to rely on on, um, on uh, our depth, you know. And, and so to have uh, Max and, and Ben step up and get 13 tackles each, that's huge. Um, but you saw a lot of guys chip in and, and, and make plays, and um, we had to use a bunch of different guys. And, and with the, with the schedule and how tough it was for us to uh, play the style of football that we played, just sometimes guys get banged up, and, and we knew that we were going to get <clears throat> USC's best shot. They, this is their senior night, and um, credit to their coaches and credit to their players for stepping up and being really, really competitive. But they're fighting for ball eligibility. There's a lot to play for for them and for us. And, just glad that we were able to, you know, fight back and get this win because it was it was looking pretty, uh, you know, pretty bad. But once we get, regained our composure, I thought the guys rallied back and, and we felt really positive about getting this win. <coughs> Coach, you mentioned um, depth in the defense because of how much guys how much guys are missing for you guys right now. Um, what's the message to, to kind of the group of maybe guys who don't have as much experience as much playing time when? You know, they do have to step up and they do have to come up in moments like they did today. Yeah, if you're looking at the guys that actually participated and contributed on the field, I mean, we, we played with a lot of um, down-the-line guys. I mean, that guys that, that had to, and, and not just start the game, but we had to use some guys that, that we probably haven't seen a lot early in the season, you know, and that's just, like I said, I credit them for, for um, getting better and, and, and developing even during the season. You know, we, we felt really good about the, the pr progress that we saw from a lot of different people, like Jacob Robinson and <clears throat> Jacob Boren. I'm talking about defensively. They just saw them. Matt Criddle, Ammon Hanneman, a lot of those guys stepped up. Caleb, um, you know, uh, so Caleb Hayes did some great things for us at corner, and, and Delo and Isaiah Heron. I mean, there's a lot of guys defensive backfield. We played a lot of man coverage. We put them in an island and got some great great athletes, and uh, they held their, held their own. It, we could be a pretty good defense if we can just uh, rely on our corners to, to play some man, lock up man-man uh, man defense sometimes. Lonnie, do you feel like the team deserves a chance to get a New Year's Six balls in that large? Hey, I don't, I don't control any of that. All I know is that um, we played well enough to get one more game together as a team. And so uh, I don't I don't know who's in the decision-making. I mean, there's a committee, obviously, but uh, we're just going to just be thankful for the one opportunity to play. Uh, these guys deserve it, and, and we're going to utilize the uh, extra time to, to develop more players and um, be ready, regardless of where it is. I'm just, uh, these guys know that we're just really thankful for that uh, one more game that we've earned to be together and, and um, have some more fun. we get 60 more minutes to play. Last couple of questions for Max again, because I'm going to take him. Max, Max you have to see on the final play there where you guys came up with the stop. You know, I mean, it was actually a tough one for me. I mean, I was uh, taking a beating all game, and, uh, you know, it came down to it, and, you know, coach decided to, to not put me in for the last play, and uh, you know, that's that's his decision, and I, I respect that. I mean, he did what's best for the team in the end, and, uh, you know, like like we've been talking about depth, we have guys that stepped in, and we, we believe in, we have confidence in them, and. There was no doubt in my mind we were going to get that fourth down stop and win the game. So I think just relying on our on uh, on our depth and 
you know, it, it paid off in the end. Max, uh, you guys had a, I think it was a 15 point lead in somewhere in the third quarter. What do you think defensively kind of happened where they kind of came back and were able to take that, take that lead late? I mean, yeah, it's just football is a crazy game. You know, it, it can flip in, in, a blink of a, in a blink of an eye, you know. Um, one one momentum play, one big play for them, and uh, next thing you know, they're, they're driving down and scoring a touchdown. You know, that's just how college football is. And I think, you know, obviously you don't want to lose uh, that 15-point lead or whatnot, but... I mean, we rallied back. We trusted the process. We, uh, you know, we just trusted uh, that our offense would get handled, um, and you know, we let everything play into place. So. Anything else for Max? Oh, one more. Yeah. Five zero. It's Pac-12. You know, you have been over an ACC program as well. What do you feel like this season has kind of set about the status of BYU football? Yeah, I mean, you know, in the past, yeah. Especially last year, a lot of people talking about how we didn't have too many hard games, and you know I think this year was just a year to prove that we can play against Power Five teams. Obviously, we we uh, went five now against Pac-12. That's a successful season in my eyes. But yeah, going um, and beating up these uh, Power Five teams—that's uh, something only you can dream of. So we're happy. Max, did you think it was realistic at Absolutely. I think if you ask any defensive player, any offensive player, we were confident we could, you know, run the table if we needed to. Um, you know, things happen, but I don't think anybody doubted us uh, within the program that we wouldn't win any of those games. Um, so we, we knew that we had what what it takes to, to go in and win, and we did it. You had the number two overall pick in the draft lead for you. Just what can you say about this? Well, I, th I think that, uh, you know, and, and appreciate the question, but the uh, I can't control what people think of our schedule and all that stuff. I mean, last year, I think people just wanted to make it a lot of, um, they, they look at our schedule, didn't think it was tough enough. Well, those teams are doing pretty good this year, you know, so UTSA is doing well, Western Kentucky is doing well. So there's, I think there's a, a there's a, needs to be a high level of respect in the game of football. But that's okay. We, we, we just go to work, and we, uh, we people assume that this is going to be a rebuild year, but uh, I know Jaron um, felt like this was an opportunity for him to, to show what he can do, and, and um, same thing with Tyler and the rest of the guys. So um, felt good. We, we felt like we have some depth on our team. We lost a lot of guys to the NFL, uh, five draft picks and, and uh, what, eight free agents. So a lot of teams were returning their production. We didn't. But we return a lot of good young men and, and hard workers. Uh, these guys, uh, I just knew that they just needed their moment, <clears throat> Jaron included, and uh, they, would, they would seize the opportunity. So here we are now, and uh, I can't wait to see uh, you know, them make more plays. we got one more game together, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Not to remind you of it, but what happened that caused you to get the My penalty? Oh, I lost my cool. That's all right. It, Telling the refs how much I love them. I don't. I guess that's not the right time to do it. <laughs> it wasn't my best moment, but uh, you know, there's just. I think every coach wants to fight for their guys, and so uh, just there's some things that I thought could have been called differently, and some things that I was seeing that, that they weren't. But it's okay. I, being a ref is hard. I get it, and sometimes you have to deal with a coach that's uh, getting a little too excited. I guess on that one, I stepped out on the field too far, and so I just. 
I'll try to be careful next time. But I'm not perfect. Yeah, stop laughing. I'm, these guys are gonna make me run or something. I know it. <clears throat> you know, we make mistakes, right? And so uh, just remember when I when you guys make mistakes, I'm nice to you guys, right? So they'll be great. The, the boys they, they kept telling me that they're gonna they're gonna get my back. So um, <clears throat> I'm human, but uh, I'm really grateful that these guys kept fighting and they they kept coming. You know, they never quit. I'm glad we got the win. It was a lot of fun. I knew you were gonna remind me of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's it? You guys can ask the Oh, okay, one more. So, for, for you, Coach, uh, back to back, 10 win, 10 plus win seasons now. Have you played for Coach Edwards and how much success he had at BYU? How much do playing for him kind of help you in terms of how to continue the program going season to season in this fashion? Well, I, I mean, I appreciate you bringing up Lavelle Edwards, um, mentor of mine, and, and uh, I wish <clears throat> wish he was still alive, you know. But um, he 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 was had a huge impact in my life um, as as a when I was a fan cheering for BYU and, and as a player, I, I felt like I grew so much, you know, being under his um, his his tutoring and mentoring, and and I'm just trying my best to. to uh, I, you know, there's nothing original about me. I'm stealing a lot of his ideas and, and the culture that he had in place. When, I mean, a guy like our athletic director played with him. Uh, I mean, not to make him seem old, Tom, but we were way before me. But <clears throat> Tom and I speak the same language because we got to play under that head coach and, and, and we had the same um, experience, you know, being able to grow and learn from, uh, from him being, just, the, just him and his staff being so good to us. And so, uh, I'm trying to do my best to, to, to do what he did for me and, and do it for these guys. And I've been really thankful. I, I get to coach some great kids, so I, I feel very blessed to, to be here and, and uh, be around these, these young men. Jaren, as, as an offensive player, as an offensive player, you get to watch from the sidelines the defense do its job. Tonight it seemed like the defense really, at, in big moments, was able, were able to kind of either stop a drive or allow less points to like, like a field goal instead of a touchdown, things like that. When you're watching them throughout the whole season, how much trust has you, have you kind of gained in, in that defense to come up when it really matters? Oh, a lot of trust from game one. Our defense has done a, has done a great job. Um, you know, I think when, when we haven't played our best offensively, defense has. And so I think that's what's helped us you know, be so successful this year is it hasn't just been one side of the ball doing one thing and, and offense scoring a bunch of points to win these games with a defense has really been slept on a lot um, from the outside. And we see every day the work they put in. Um, you look at the scoreboard, how they're holding a lot of these good offenses to, to low points. And so um, tonight they stepped up and at a big time, and especially in the game, it doesn't get much bigger than that. You don't need to stop on fourth down uh, when there are other teams about to score, and they did it. So that just speaks to the coaching, the way they set them up. Um, everyone's aware of the depth our defense has. So seeing the guys that you know didn't play a lot early in the year step in and make big plays. I mean, I could I think of five, six guys right now just watching out there um, that, that, you know, stepped up and made big plays. So I'm super happy for all those guys on defense. They deserve it. Um, they made big plays when they needed to. That's, that's why we won the game. Jared, what was maybe running through your mind when you took the field for that final drive to, to lead that comeback? I'm sorry, one more time. Just when you took the field for the last time yeah. to lead that comeback, maybe what was running through your mind? Because that's a spot you haven't been in in yeah. your career. Yeah, just stick to our basics. You know, A-Rod was going to dial up good plays. Uh, just take one play at a time. Um, you know, just get behind that big old line, find a lot of energy. And I, I think that was it really was, was just getting the energy back. Um, you know, and that's when we play our best is when we're high energy, um, getting the ball to Tyler um, and then throwing off of that. So I think it just came together well and, you know,
know, it was an easy march down the field and making plays we usually do. When you talk about energy, what? how did the team respond when they saw Kalani get that uh, <laughs> little chippy with the, the refs? If you will? Hey, man, I don't know what player wouldn't want to see his coach showing that kind of love and energy, okay? Kalani might think he was in shadow, but I think that's his best self sometimes in those situations. <laughs> so um, we, we live we live and die for, for Coach Kalani and, and all our coaches for that matter. Um, but when we see something like that, it gets you fired up. It really does, you know, because you know that he's got your back and you can just go play free and, and not worry about making mistakes. So just have fun. Tyler, how are you holding up out there? Obviously, they had Jackson come in at the end. Uh, did you absolve Jackson from the game? Oh, wait, I was what? Did you have anything left in the tank? Oh no, I had, I had, I would say I had enough in the tank, but it was uh, you know, it was a, it was a tough game. You know, they were really physical. You know, shout out to the USC. They were a really physical defense, and they literally brought it to us. But you know, we ended up uh, just punching them in the mouth and just doing doing our thing. And Jackson was just really just just ready from the get go, ready from the get go. So you know, just grateful for him and what he does, and really just had a successful night. Honestly, I mean, again, we, we spoke to this all week. You should not look at these guys' record to based on how good of a team they are. They're just as talented as some of the best teams in the country, and, and we felt it tonight, man. I know Tyler's a little banged up. I'm feeling banged up. They're a big physical team from, from every position on defense. Um, they're really, really talented, really athletic. They played hard from beginning to the end. Um, and so they gave us a they gave us a fight, and luckily we were ready for it. Our coaches, you know, saw through everything and prepared us really well. But uh, no one should take any credit away from them. That's a really good defense. They're gonna have a lot of guys that play in the NFL, um, and so you know, props to them. Tyler, what do you think of Jackson's performance coming in in that moment? Yeah, it was great. It was great. You know, he literally just stepped on the pedal and literally took as much opportunity that he had and literally did that. You know, and he ended up scoring scoring some boost. He ended up scoring, so that was even even better. You know, the little top, I literally just like frosting to the cherry right there, or cherry of the cupcake, whatever, <laughs> whatever that goes. Yes, sir. Yeah, no, I'm proud. Of <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, but it, it was great. You know, just seeing that guy literally just perform from being injured, and then that was literally what his second game of him playing or or on offense, and you know, literally just making the most of his opportunity. And I think that's what. Literally, that's, that's, that's what this team is. Literally just taking, making the most out of every opportunity from whether you're in the depth three or even below, you know, what we always know that our guys are going to be ready. So I, I saw a tweet that said that you guys in the locker room are playing California Love. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I, I got in the locker room late. Good chance, so. it's true. Played a lot of songs in California. <laughs> we have a lot of guys on our team in California. So. All right. You guys feel like you're, you're, there's a bunch of people on social media saying that you guys are the Pac-12 South. Uh, we're just happy to play the game. I don't, I, we're not going to get into that stuff. We, we have too much respect for, for, for football and for this conference to, to make statements like that. It's, we're we're going to always try to be classy the way we can handle things. Listen, it was, it, was a, it was an honor playing those teams and those guys. It was an honor playing those teams, and, and it, it's not easy making a schedule. So we appreciate all those teams that put us on their schedule and, and, and worked with our administration and our athletic director to get us on that schedule. So uh, we're not going to sit here and, and, and talk down to anything other than respect for, for the Pac-12 and all the other conferences. Everybody that played us, 
Uh, we were an independent, so they didn't have to. So we have a lot of appreciation and gratitude for them as well. So uh, it was an, a great experience for us to be here in the Coliseum playing the end of November, nice weather, you know. Um, right, it felt great. Beautiful so so we're, we're just re really, really, really happy for, for the opportunity and we're just keeping it at that. How about those fans? <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, fans on both sides are great. It was just great to see all our fans here. We have a lot of players from, from Southern California, and, and um, we obviously have a lot of fans out here too. So I'm um, just happy to, that, that they're able to be here, and, and I'm glad we got the win for them. Our, our players love playing uh, for these fans for Cougar Nation, and um, it, was, it was just a lot of fun to see them cheer and to be happy. We, we like making our fans happy. All right, there's your Cougar postgame thoughts after they beat the USC Trojans. USC falls to 4-7. and seven. They will not go bowling, but they did get a new head coach, and we will get to that coming up in what is trending. The numbers for him, and SC's tired of losing. Lincoln Riley, get yourself out of that meat grinder that is the SEC West. Here's a gazillion dollars coming to the Pac-12. So we'll get to that next. What is trending? All the headlines on the way, plus an NIL Monday. we got to check in with Samson Nakua and also with Nick Ford, the Ute and the Cougar, who join us every week. Stay with us. A lot to come still here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. BYU wide receiver Samson Nakua joining us now on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner. Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain's given free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Samson, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? We are doing well, and you and your teammates have your 10th win, so I assume you're doing well as also. And I told you guys it was about to be a big party in L.A., and... It was a big party. <laughs> it seemed like, man, everyone was gassed, and uh, whoever had the more fresh legs at the end was going to win. Mm -hmm. Did it seem like it was a game that really took a lot of energy to win? Uh, definitely not just a lot of energy, just uh, the physical part, too. Um, both teams are physical teams, big bodies just flying around the and um, everyone just came out ready to play and try to empty out the tank of what they had left, and uh, that's what I was trying to do and uh, put on a good show for everybody. You have played against other teams that have big bodies and are real physical. Is there something about Game 12 and just the accumulation of all the hits and all the games over the course of the season, or people a little more desperate at the end of the season? What was it? Yeah, I think just – with our schedule this year and one of the toughest schedules BYU's had in a while, um, it was just a grueling schedule um, or a grueling season that we we uh, put ourselves through. And, uh, you know, it's totally worth it coming out 10-2 and two right now throughout the regular season. Uh, but, yeah, all those all those hits, all those games down to those big teams, it definitely added up a little bit. And uh, everyone's just a bit sore towards here at the end of the season. But, you know, we're sticking it through. And, uh Ready to finish out one more game. What's the schedule now for the players? Um, I, we, you know, just a little bit, just one day off, and then back at it again tomorrow, or or start working back slowly into weightlifting. And uh, but you know, just letting everybody rest today and, uh, and letting everyone recover one more day, and then get back at it again tomorrow. 
So watching that game unfold, I thought you had a chance to blow them out. You were driving down the field. You're up 21-10 in the second quarter. If you score and it's 28-10 and you get the ball first in the third quarter, it's all the recipes for a blowout. They get the interception and get a field goal. Did it feel like everything changed in that moment? Because it sure seemed like it did. Um, definitely, for sure. Um, I think that first mistake, um, a turnover, our first turnovers in a while, honestly, in the, these past couple of games, and um, threw us off a bit, especially being away, um, just being in a different um, environment, and uh, I think we were able to adjust uh, and act accordingly uh, with the coaches behind us and uh, with Jaron and us, and uh, we were able to come out on top. Has BYU told you what bowl game you're going to play in? No. I keep hearing some things and it's making me sad because we're 10 and 2. I think we deserve a good bowl. <laughs> and, so, uh, you know, Independence Bowl, I don't know. We'll see. So you're hearing UTSA in the Independence Bowl. That's what's making you sad. Yeah. I want to be a bull for us. We deserve a big season this year. Everyone <laughs> deserves some good gifts. Nice little vacation, and then go ball somewhere nice. Sometimes uh, seniors don't play in the bowl game. They get themselves ready for the draft or anything uh, along those lines, whatever it might be. Have you heard of any guys on your team that aren't going to participate in the final game? Uh, no, I have not heard of that. And if I do... Um, I'm going to have to talk to them and uh, <laughs> convince them otherwise. Okay. <laughs> Samson Nakua, tough guy, enforcer, huh? Yeah, exactly, man. This is a team effort, man. You're not about to bail on us now at the end of the season. You're sticking with us all the way through. <laughs> So there was a little apparent controversy last week on something you said, and you went on Twitter, and I went back and listened. You said nothing wrong. There was no need to apologize. Some idiot fan comes at you uh, and decides that you twist your words. And, of course, then they blame us for leading something that wasn't led into to begin with. Uh, uh, in this day of social media, I didn't think you needed to apologize at all because you didn't say anything wrong. Uh, what was going through your mind when you saw that? Um, just a little bit of sadness because I definitely have nothing um, against Wynn, any of the team up there, and um, I definitely don't want to speak any harm of them. And um, sometimes I do speak... Um, I don't know, sometimes I don't say it in the best words, but wait, let me be me. Um, I don't know if anyone ever saw me while I was up there at the year. I was wild kid with different colored hair. And I saw you. Yes, yeah, I, I, I love yeah. I love the rainbow colored do. That was fine yeah. with me. And uh, wait, definitely let me be me. And uh, over here, it's just a different version of me. Um, when I look back over at me, uh, Utah, where I'm at now, it's just two different versions of Samson. Um, back then I was just a bit younger and a wild kid and now I'm just a bit more older and uh, my head on a bit more and um, it's just two different versions of me and uh, two different uh, times in my life where I needed to be and uh, this is where I need to be right now where I want to go and uh, it just fitted me perfect. Uh, fitted me better down here and I, I love both programs though. So no fluorescent hair after college is what you're saying? Uh, I don't know. Actually, we'll see about that. We'll, uh, I don't know. I love that long hair. Yeah. 
uh, and the girls love breeding it, so we'll see. <laughs> How much did the goals that you had for yourself this year come to pass during this season? Oh, sorry, can you ask that again? How much did the goals that you set for yourself coming into the season happen for you this season, your final year of college football? Um, man, I dealt with a lot of batting, a lot of uh, injuries um, throughout this year. Uh, not a lot of people just don't know, and um, I didn't get to hit a lot of goals of mine personally. But um, I don't know. This, this season got to help me grow more as a person. I feel like, and uh, I don't know, see that there's sometimes a bigger role, and instead of um, I don't know, just being the superstar. Sometimes there's a there's roles, um, position players uh, play a role player, and um, that's why it came out to be for me this year. And um, it was actually pretty wonderful just to sit back and uh, um, contribute any way possible to help this team, and uh, whether it be energy or make a play or come out and cheer Puka on and uh, watch him ball. It's just been crazy fun this year. So you really took advantage of the rule changes, you know, in another time, another era, even just a few years ago, you would have had to sit out a year. It wouldn't uh, it wouldn't have worked out the same way for you, would it? Yeah, it wouldn't have. And, um, man, COVID, everything, it, it just all on God's timing, uh, everything, he lined up perfectly to, for us to be right here, right now, 10 and 2, killing it. <laughs> Yeah, did you think that coming into the season that the team would be this good? Do you have any idea? No, I did not. I did not have any idea. I remember watching them last year, and I thought they were pretty good. And um, I thought maybe it was just QB1 had a lot to do with it. And then uh, coming here, working out over summer, and um, just getting to know the guys a little bit more and uh, practicing and grinding with them, I, I just saw that, man, this team – can be just as talented as any team that I've ever played with or gone against. And it just, they needed a little spark. And they already had the energy here with Kalani and Steph. They just needed a, a little more push, too. And I mean, Puka were, able, Puka were able to join up the team and, you know, just get a little more push. And it was just wonderful to be a part of this team. So down the road, when people ask you, are you a Ute or are you a Cougar, what are you going to say? Man, I have. It depends who I'm talking to at the time. <laughs> what fan I'm talking to, so I'm going to give the right answer. <laughs> How about going forward? Are you going to give the NFL a try? I'm going to for sure give it a shot. Um, wherever it takes me, wherever. If I get Jasper or not, and if I give a shot as a free agent, whatever it be, I'm going to give it a shot for sure. And if it doesn't work out, then I'm prepared for wherever life takes me after that too. And I'm. I'm just thankful for coming back home and the experience of this one more time of this college experience, and uh, now I'm just ready for the future. Well, Samson, good luck in the future, whatever it uh, leads to, and remember DJ and PK wherever you go. We might yes, be calling. Sir, I never forget you guys. <laughs> okay. Thanks for joining us all season long, Samson. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you around Thank the bowl you. game, whatever it turns out to be. Yes, sir. Thank you. Have a great day. Samson Nakua, BYU wide receiver, joining us every week all year long here on the Zone Sports Network. Or three months, whichever comes first. (laughs) 
All right, DJ and PK coming up. We're going to talk with Nick Ford, University of Utah offensive lineman, and Blake Anderson, Utah State football coach. Well, BYU's got the day off, and they wait for their bowl game. The Utes and the Aggies are getting ready for conference championship games on Friday and Saturday, and we will talk to those guys and look ahead to those games with them coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Oh, yeah, your fandom's at stake, huh? My fandom is at stake. Utah State and San Diego State for the yeah. conference title. Did Grandpa Walton went to those games or something? Is that what it was? Grandpa Walton. Grandpa Walton. <laughs> that'd, be yes. gran- that'd be Grandpa James. <laughs> Easy does it over there. <laughs> I had a friend of mine over the weekend ask me, well, you know, I, I went to the U games since my dad took me, and, and I've been a fan ever since. And, you know, what about you? No nope. freaking money to go to any games. <laughs> <laughs> games were I going to go to? <laughs> well, you went to the NBA Finals, so you scored once in a while. That had nothing to do with my parents and their money. Right. But you, nonetheless, <laughs> you were in the NBA Finals. I, I was, and I told them I sat there and I watched the Knicks and the Lakers, and I, yeah, at 10 years of age, I didn't care who won, but I was way into it. It was a lot of fun being able to see these legendary players out on the court just uh, a few feet in front of me. And even at that 10, it didn't matter who won. I just wanted to enjoy the moment, and I did. It left a lasting impression. It's probably my introduction to being an NBA fan. But, yeah, I agree with Sampson. I mean, the, the Independence Bowls have come down, but, I, you know, I know a lot of you fans want to get on them, but you're telling me the First Responders Bowl and the San Francisco Fight Hunger Craft Foods Bowl or whatever, that was a big thing, the Sun Bowl and... The bowl situation is, unless you're going to maybe three or four of them, it's sort of all the same anyway. So, you know, what's the difference? And and that's going to, I guess, supposedly end if you get, well, you are going to get in the Big 12 and, and that matters. I, I really just don't, I don't get worked up in the bowl game. I didn't watch uh, ASU in Arizona because I was in St. George and, 65 degrees was calling my name rather than some <laughs> silly football game that I don't really care about. So I didn't watch the game. I did not literally did not watch one play. I know you went away and watched everything over the weekend. I, I, I did not. Uh, I was in better weather than you, and I'm not that big of a fan as you are. Um, but I saw where the leading running back immediately said, that's it. He's done. So the bowl game... It's, it's not it's not part of the season. I mean, Oklahoma's not going to have their coach. They're going to have Bob Stoops. These kids don't know who Bob Stoops is. So, uh, and, and, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's going to be plenty more to come. So from that perspective... It's not the game when yeah. it's not the team. Yeah. And, and, you know, the Utes can play in the Rose Bowl. That's great. That's one of the games that you get way excited about. But and, you get outside the New Year's Six, and the importance falls off really quickly to the players themselves. Yeah. Is the Peach Bowl a New Year's Six? It is. Who gives a crap about the Peach Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't even know it's the New Year's Six. At least not on our part of the country. I mean, the Rose Bowl, you got me there. You two have an opportunity Friday night, and if they get that thing, they should celebrate wildly. I get it 100%, and because that means something to me. That would be absolutely awesome. That's, and that's the way it was in the old days. If you won the conference, you went to the Rose Bowl. And that's the way it'll be this year. So I'm excited for them to have that opportunity. But the rest of them, 
And the Holiday Bowl. I mean, the, the, the Alamo Bowl. Who wants to go to the Alamo Bowl? Like, you just didn't want to go two years ago. That was clear. Had a bunch of players <laughs> opt out of that game. Yeah. So they didn't want to be there. Uh, uh, off whole, to the NFL. The entire team. Did you see the game? They all opted out. <laughs> I did see the game. <laughs> I was sitting really close to you. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go this year. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of money. Uh, Rose Bowl, you got me. So the point I'm making is I wouldn't crack too hard on BYU going to the Independence Bowl because it's the slideshow of bowls. They just roll right on by. And they're, they're, if I'm Algier, why in the world would I play in that game? I mean, after getting beat up the other night, I mean, geez, guys were falling like dominoes there. One after another. Yeah, that's why it was so great to see Kenny McChesney get in there. He looked like freaking Herschel Walker <laughs> at the end. I mean, he had fresh legs. Kenny yeah. McChesney, I like. Yeah, right? And he was able, everyone else was just gassed. Everyone else was gassed. And they and put in that third team dude. And I'm telling you, he looked like Herschel Walker running up the middle there. Nothing tricky. <laughs> Straight ahead. And I pick Herschel because he's a conservative, you know, and it's in alignment with, you know, with most of the folks. Down there. So, you know, I mean, I, I didn't just randomly pick Herschel. Nice He's kid. running for Senate. If I was in Georgia, I'd vote for him. I'd proudly vote for him. Nice, yeah. Nice down there. Or is he from Dallas? I don't know where he's from, but all I know, he's running for senator. Maybe Congress, I don't know. Maybe Assembly, I'm not sure either, to tell you the truth. But I know he's running for something. I think he got it right the first time. Uh, but Kenny McChesney, yeah, was so fresh, was able to just plow through. That was a game of attrition there. And the Cougars had enough at the end, and good for them. It was exciting that they got. I, I figured that the Trojans would give them everything they had. I didn't think that they would quit. That would be the last thing that they would do. I didn't think that they would roll over. At no point did I think the game was ever getting away, twenty-one to ten or what have you. Uh, I believed that it was going to come down to the end, and it did. That didn't surprise me at all. And they managed to win that game and finish ten and two, a season. That was uh, considered absolutely exceptional, as far as I'm concerned. Ten and two is a great season. Five and zero against this conference that they don't lose to in any sport now. Jeez, who's next? Arrange a bowl with the Pac-12. Get out of town. I mean, BYU is so good that even though it's going to be for a short span of time, Lincoln Riley said, screw that, I ain't competing against those guys. I'm out. <laughs> he didn't even want to do it, even though the, uh, Oklahoma's leaving. He wanted two years. He wanted no part of it, and so he left. That's how good BYU is. Chase Lincoln Riley out. Yeah. I mean, I think it's obvious. It's not really that obvious. Maybe not to you. I can't help you see truth. So he got out of there. You just have to go, way to go, Cougars. Now they have to put together a package to make sure that they keep as many guys as possible, starting with Kalani and going right down to the coordinators and the assistants, and continue this momentum and coming up into their last season into the... uh, Land of Big 12. So they've got one more to go, independent, obviously. And then it's on. And everybody they're recruiting today, it needs to be Big 12 caliber. It's exciting times for them. It's amazing. It's just amazing when they were coming home from that flight off of losing to Hawaii. or uh, Yeah, the Hawaii, Hawaii Bowl yeah. in Hawaii. 
You know, I talked to people and it was such a downer and there was a lot of speculation about what was going to happen with the program. Uh, and then last year they turned it around and good for them. Yeah. And, and, and Samson referenced it QB one. I don't think Zach Wilson wouldn't, he's, you know, he's a great player at the college level. No doubt about it remains to be seen what he does at the pros. I know he got the win yesterday, uh, but I'm not sure he makes a difference in the team record this season. So it was more than just him, and it was more than just a lousy schedule. No, he went 5-0 and against this uh, your arch-rival conference, the conference that you really wanted to be in. Of course, now you're going to scoff at it. But if you scoff at it, then what you're doing is saying that your accomplishments of 5-0 and aren't that great. So you got to be careful. You find yourself in a conundrum. Paint it into a corner, if you will. <laughs> As you want to scoff at the conference, but then that's the very conference that you just destroyed. 5-0. Yeah. And you will never, ever have a better record against that conference. That's amazing, the way it played out. DJ and PK coming up. Nick Ford, 9 o'clock. Blake Anderson, 9.30. Right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The question of the day is on the way next. Stay with us. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. James Empey, BYU center. Tell me a little bit more about Tyler Algier. Still bizarre to me that this guy was a linebacker a couple years ago. I remember his first year came in, he was playing running back, and they wanted to try him out on uh, defense a little bit, and he was making plays and, and running around the field, and I think he sees the game really well, and he has a good feel for what's going on, a lot of intuition there. And then towards the end of that year, they're like, well, we're thin at running back again. Hey, do you want to come back? And he comes back, and he's running people over. He's running out of his shoes. He's making moves. He's, he's doing a lot. So ever since day one, He's just progressed and gotten better and has earned everything he's been given and and has shown why, you know, he deserves to be on the field and why he deserves the carries that he's getting. And he makes the O-line look really good. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Hot Takes Your Toast is brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair? It's 2021 and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment or visit www.utahairmd.com. Question of the day. The Cougars, 10-2. 5-0 and against the Pac-12, and there it is. What more can you say? Oh, man. What a dream season. Notwithstanding the two losses, losses happen. Utes had three of them. Aggies had three of them. It's a dream season. It's about as well as it could go, realistically. You know, 12-0 and is really hard. Very few people do it. Teams do it, no matter what your conference schedule is, your non-conference in the case of BYU. Uh, their conference schedule ended up being the five Pac-12 games. Yeah, I don't know that you could ask for more. This program is back. Twenty-three and three over two years now. To get the math right on that, or did I mess it up? I don't know. Okay, that's you. I don't. I, I don't need numbers to. I see it with my eyes. You, you're the one who needs numbers to verify, and good for you. That's what you do. I just look at it and can tell. Gut instinct. Well, it's not. It, no, it's what I see. Gut instinct would be before. And interestingly, I was speaking to a member of the staff in a social setting uh, the week before. 
And he said to me. The week before the season. Okay. Yeah. And he said to me, he looked at me, and he just said, hey, we got a chance to, you know, went to LaBelle Edwards type of thing. I mean, this, this team could be really good. And he said it in a manner that that's gut instinct. You want to talk about gut instinct because the way he said it, he said it very quietly, and it was not braggadocious. It wasn't skeptical. It was a statement of fact, and he said it in a way that as we were talking, I could tell that he, and he was an extension of Kalani, it was not Kalani, but he was an extension of him, works very closely with him, and he was the way he was saying is that, all right, we believe it, not I believe it, speaking of himself, but we believe it. And we think we can be really good this season. And I, and I love those types of conversations. And I've had a million of them over the years. I've been in this business, obviously, a very long time now. And, you know, you get to know things and you have frames of reference when people tell you stuff in the manner in which they say it can lead to you to believe it more so. And I go, ah, well, maybe we could be good. You know, yeah, and you've been in that situation. And I'm sure a lot of people, most of our listeners have been in that situation. I just have the opportunity because of it. It's a little higher profile with the athletics. But in your own business, in your own family life, what have you, you know when someone is telling you what they perceive very strongly as truth. And it doesn't have to be sports. In this case, it is. And so I came away from that in that social setting thinking, all right, I love the way he said it because he's there literally every single day. I'm not. I talk to people a lot, but I love the way he said it. And I thought to myself, okay, this has an opportunity to really come to pass. And now that we're done with it, it did did come come to pass. pass. Yeah, absolutely. And it's another frame of reference as I go forward and however many years I have left when I have these situations, you know, know who to trust and when to trust them. I talked about that years ago when I was at the practice field with Utah and it's, uh, they were getting ready to play Oregon. And the guy said to me, we got this. And I chuckled. Like, <laughs> yeah. And he stopped. And it's literally stopping his track. And dramatic. I get it. And turns to me and says, no, we got this. And I've been around long enough to know that doesn't happen every week. No. That's a level of confidence. Somebody's seen the film, yeah. recruited head-to-head, knows the players. And they put and, 62 yeah. on them, that game, I think it was, right? And so same type of deal here, not as boldly proclaimed, but nevertheless. And he went through the positions, too. He backed it up. It wasn't a flippant comment. And he backed it up, and he went through with the D. I remember he started with the DBs and started checking them off and telling me, and give me information that I don't want to repeat here. It would be inappropriate for me, even though it's uh, three, four months removed. Still, uh, the stuff that he told me saw it out on the field. And that's what's really great, because the way I look at the Cougars this year, they achieved what they were capable of achieving. And that's the best you can do. If you have whatever your talent level is, we hear it, you know, as parents, if you're a B student, if that's the best, get the Bs. You know, if you're an A plus, then whatever, whatever it might be. So if you're related to that, they achieved, I believe, what they were capable of achieving. Some may think they actually overachieved. And if you think that, 
I mean, we're talking opinion here, so I can't say you're wrong or right. Yeah, but when you say you overachieved, then usually there's uh, games, lucky bounces that went your way. And they did have the fourth quarter comeback against USC, so that's a tight game. But there were a lot of two-possession wins for them. This isn't a case of, you know, overtime games and it comes down to two-point conversions in one play and it's like a free-throw shooting contest in basketball or penalty kicks in soccer. I mean, it can get, it can get pretty fluky at the end of Alabama-Auburn or Penn State-Illinois, San Diego State-Utah. We saw those games, and I think they all felt the same way at the end. Yeah, so this is a little fluky. You hope you make a play, but this is kind of achieved what it's capable of achieving. No regrets over the Boise State loss because there might be some fans saying that one got away. No, but see, that's my whole point, though, is that it's almost impossible, not quite, but it certainly is extremely difficult to have things go your way 12 times. George and Cincinnati, the only two at 12 and 0 right now. Yeah, and, and it's it's done, but it is extremely difficult to have it be done. So sure, they blew the Boise game. Yeah, I get that. Individually, if you want to look at it, without the turnovers, maybe it's different. But nevertheless, it happened. That's the whole point, is to be able to play at an optimum level to where you can win 12 games out of 12. I pick no team. No team in the Pac-12 has even gone nine and zero. No, since they've gone, now they've they've gone nine teams, but nine games before. But I'm talking about since it became the ten from to the twelve. Uh, no team has gone nine and zero. Forget about twelve and zero. No team has got nine and zero. Right? The Oregon loss, Oregon State, I should say for Utah. It's somewhat inexplicable. Now, Oregon State, we built them up. Oregon State lost to Colorado. I don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. You lost to Colorado. Colorado stinks. So don't tell me you're all this. You got the Utes on that day because it's hard. Literally no one has gone 9-0 and zero since the conference has gone to 12 teams. That's the point. So I don't obsess over the Boise loss because if it wasn't Boise, it probably would have been somebody else. And if I'm a BYU fan, the fact that I could say 5-0, and oh, ha-ha, and you got to tell me I lose two games, I take Baylor and Boise. Those are the two that I take because I want to beat Bronco. Certainly want to beat Bronco, and I want to beat the other guys. And then the rest of the, and I want the five wins in the conference. Well, the rest of the schedule, there was no way you are going to lose. So those were the two that you would probably pick. Because you like the grime dog. Let him get his day. Maybe he could be a head coach. He came to your school twice, not once, but twice. He chose to come as a non-Latter-day Saint. So everybody has good feelings for the Grime Dog, do they not? Yeah, I think they do. And if he should be a head coach here soon, most of us, me especially, are going to root for him. So those are the two that you would pick because you wouldn't pick any Pac-12 because you love beating the Pac-12. And the other teams on the schedule outside of the Pac-12, Boise and Baylor, you don't want to lose to Virginia, you weren't going to lose to anyway. Georgia Southern, and I can't even recall all the dogs. Idaho State. Yep. Utah State. 
and there was a uh, Idaho State uh, and Georgia Southern South with the dogs. Florida two team right South Florida yeah and you're not going to pick Utah State I mean especially now that you're going into the Big Twelve Sayonara Boise yeah that's going to end unless they get picked up if they should uh, expand beyond that right so th- those are the two. Maybe you and you get the, the the Baylor loss. You got your butt kicked. There's no other way to say it. You got your butt kicked. Boise was turnovers. You can look at that turnovers. I mean, other teams can do that against you too. I mean, clearly the Utes are running around saying if we played them now, we'd kill them because uh, we made the change at quarterback. We're a much different team. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fine. The Devils uh, committed uh, 87 penalties and. And had a fumble on an interception. Okay, yeah, but nevertheless, it happened, and it can't be replayed. So you can go both ways on that till you're blue in the face. But they'll be five and zero forever. Yeah, and you get to talk about that. You're going to go recruit there. There's plenty of Pac-12 fans running around here to mention it to if you're a Cougar fan. Yeah. So in some respects, it was a dream season. This ten and two was as good or better than any 10-2 season that they've had. And you can argue very, very strongly that it was better than last season. Last season, the joy of it was your idiot counterparts in the Pac-12 decided that they couldn't play because everybody was going to die. And you got to play and win. Yeah, yeah. And the fact you that had you to back were, it, But you had to back it up. And they did. So they put that bed, they put that uh, argument to rest like that. Nobody can can say schedule last year because you you can't say it this year. And if you, it's it's funny because BYU fans can't say, well, the Pac-12 sucks because that waters down what you do. And then you Utah fans can't say, well, you played an easy schedule because <laughs> you played a lot of the same teams you played. <laughs> Everybody painted into a corner. <laughs> so you basically, except other. for us, you have to shut up. And since I have no pony in the race, I can blabber. <laughs> <laughs> you actually, truth is, you have many ponies in the race. Uh, not emotionally. No, no, well, no, not emotionally. But you know a lot of the Uton Cougar coaches. And I want them to, 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 to see succeed. them do well. I've said that a million times. And they have. 10-2, 9-3, ranked 12th and 14th in the country. To say I have no bias is it's so stupid. I don't want to hear it. Everybody has it a bias. I've got a bias. I was pulling for the Cougars Saturday night, certainly. I mean, Friday afternoon, there was no need to worry about it. They were going to win and win easily. Because Colorado stinks. And they did win. And we'll get to the Utes throughout the week as they've got the biggest game in their program history. Pac-12 title. Yes. Take down Oregon again. It is actually a put-up-or-shut-up, no-excuse game. If you do not win, who gives a crap about what you accomplished this season? If you win, all glory to the Utes. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Got a new coach at USC. We will get to that coming up. We've got uh, Utes and Aggies 
on the way. Nick Ford at 9 o'clock. Blake Anderson, Aggie head coach at 9.30 with the conference title games coming up Friday for the Utes and Saturday for the Aggies. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is unripe. You guys are doing a hell of a job. Utah wins with its offense, with Kyle Whittingham right. as the coach. That That could set off like world panic right there like i mean the markets could go off and shift and yeah, i mean yeah. i mean we could have we could have rioting and looting in the streets with that kind of play it's like navy going to a spread offense exactly like- and the and the other thing is utah and the pac-12 just grew up it wasn't like okay we're fighting for some relevance utah dominated this game from the start to finish with their offense they did it with their defense they did it with their special teams utah is the best team in the pac-12 it's unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kieran. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Come join Unrivaled at the new City Creek Cafe Real location tomorrow, November 30th from 3 to 6 p.m. Get your Cafe Real favorites now at City Creek Center. Question of the day, part two. How come Taysom Hill isn't quarterbacking the Saints? <laughs> that was a long time ago last What's week. What's going on, PK? <laughs> Why isn't he quarterbacking them? That was last week, big guy. They're losing. <laughs> you keep trying to sell uh, five-day-old questions. There is no second question of the day. <laughs> How much money did USC give Lincoln Riley? North of $12 million. Okay, fine, whatever. Who cares? Not my money. Oh, you care a little bit? Come on, people care a little bit about that? How much money he gets? Yes. I couldn't care less. You're a party of one. I, I think the party of one is you. What, what, I'm not, what do I care if some, somebody, they all get outrageous amounts of money, so you get $7 million. What can't you buy with $7 million as opposed to $9 million? It's all play money. And then the question is, is, is it this great hire? I don't know. Get USC back to 10 wins a year. That's not good enough. They want it all. They want 15-0. and 0. Yeah. For what he's charged to do, he hasn't done. They want more than conference titles, and that's what he's done at Oklahoma. Conference titles and then beaten in the semifinal. Yeah. And their defense stinks. And he's been gifted NFL quarterbacks. He's had a series of them. I know it's a sexy name, and wow, and they hit a home run. It's a walk-off grand slam, and the bases weren't even loaded. I, I, I have but to the say SC, that. But the SC boosters who are opponent up all the cash want 15-0. They want Pete Carroll back. He's 70 years old. Man. Okay, they want Pete Carroll's 25-game win streak back. <laughs> I mean, Lincoln Riley was gifted a program that went... 11-2 and two the year before he was there, and two years before he was there, they went 11-2. and two. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Stoops had it in a good place. And four years before he was the head coach, they went 11-2. and two. If you can't win there, you can't win anywhere. Wait a minute. I've heard that song. Right, and I watched it last night. 
the 95th birthday tribute to Tony Bennett with Stephanie Germanata. You know her as Lady Gaga. On your channel, too. First time I've watched Channel 2 in years. <laughs> Months. <laughs> and she's saying New York, New York, in honor of Tony. And in my household growing up, it was Frank 1, Tony Benedato 2. Tony what? Was real, the name that he was. Benedato. Yeah. He's he's a brother. It ended in a vowel. He shortened it. So yeah, I mean, whoop de do. I mean, he was gifted a premier program. Now he's not gifted a premier program. As we speak today, USC four and seven. Yeah, not feeling like a premier program right now. Right. So I can't say he's going to, oh, look out. Kyle, you better win it now because, oh, my gosh, if you don't get it done this year, you're never going to get it done because they hired Lincoln Riley. First of all, as Charles Barkley would say, ever listen to one of his interviews, first of all, (laughs) he loves the first of all. (laughs) I would rather be Riley Lincoln than Lincoln Riley. Wouldn't you rather be named Riley Lincoln? Instead of Lincoln Why would Riley? I want to be Riley Lincoln? Because it's a better name than Lincoln Riley. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he says, having no idea where you're going next. <laughs> That's the point. You know where I'm going. <laughs> why go there? Yeah, I know what this is all about. Click. So we shall see. Seems like it's a great hire, but he won at Oklahoma. He was given a program that was high and mighty, had so many advantages, and he did what he was supposed to do. Although some would say he didn't do enough. They don't like their two lost seasons every year. Yeah. Need to mix in an undefeated. Yeah, and there's very few programs that can look at 9-2, and 10-2 and two and say, that wasn't good enough. Oklahoma can do that a little bit. Right. Exactly. Yes. Ten losses in five years. Yeah. I mean, when was the last time they weren't ranked? You only have to go back to 1999. (laughs) Before Bob Stoops came in to fix everything. Yeah, that literally was Bob Stoops' first year. Because John Blake had had a program that was three and eight, four and eight, five and six, and then Stoops in '99 goes uh, seven and five, and then the next year thirteen and zero, and then they're off and running. Now he did have an eight and four and an eight and five season in there, but other than that, they were all double digit wins. I think he had uh, three eight-win seasons yep. in his time that he was there. But other than that, 11 and 12 year after year. Yeah. A couple of 10 and threes. Right. So, I mean, and, and credit Lincoln Riley for continuing it. And he certainly deserves the credit for continuing it. 55 and 10 over five years with four conference titles. Yeah. 
But they went for sizzle. They needed sexy because you are in the Hollywood area and all that stuff. And it's SC football and it's got glamour and glitz and we know all that. <clears throat> and so they targeted a big name. They didn't get a no-name up-and-comer, although he's only 38 years of age. So from that perspective, he is still very young and has an opportunity that you would think, if he wanted it, to be a legend there, right? Because he can go 25 years coaching, which would be outrageous, and he would still only be like 62, 63. He was seven, eight years younger than Nick Saban is right now. <laughs> right? So it's certainly worth the hire for sure he's going to take. I don't know if you can get a better or bigger name, but it remains to be seen what he can do. Maybe he can recapture the Pete Carroll because that's the once you achieve that, you're always going to be chasing that. Always. Nothing else is good enough. Nothing else is as it fun as that. It doesn't matter. Yeah. What the time frame? Vegas basketball is trying to chase Tark. A BYU football is trying to chase Lavelle Edwards. It'll always be that way once you've achieved the premier success. You've set the standard. Yeah. The bar is in position, and it's not going any lower. Now, with SC, you know, you can go back to three or four other guys. They're chasing John McKay, they're chasing right. John Robinson, yeah. and they're chasing Pete Carroll. Right. They've right. got boosters. Of different ages who all remember all of that. Well's still well alive and yeah. living strong, going strong, yeah. And that's the thing about it. But he Lincoln Riley knows all about that. He's I'm not we're not telling him anything different. He knows he's stepping. He's it's, already in the fire at Oklahoma. So it's the same type of deal. It's just a different venue, but the pressure and everything is still the same. That's what's cool about the Utes. The Utes this Saturday or Friday night, I should say face a level of pressure that the program has never faced before. Ever. Argue if you must, but you're wasting your time. (laughs) It's not good enough to be there. You need to win one eventually, and this is your third shot. And there's zero excuse. Zero. Because you just smoked him two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have backup quarterbacks, and the other team doesn't have a superstar quarterback. Like the uh, the time you went, you had a backup, and then the second time you went, they had a potential Hall of Fame quarterback in Justin Herbert, and none of that is the case now. The pressure that is on the Utes is unlike anything they've ever faced. I dare you to argue. I dare you to get on your app and try to argue with me. Use the app. Use the open mic feature. He's the begging for it. The greatest non-Hall of Fame morning sports show talk host in the history consecutive years on Tuesday mornings in our state. Probably one or two more qualifiers than you needed. I was impressed before the Tuesday morning thing. Well, I had to go. All right, when we come back, what is trending? A little later today because of Samson Nakua. We'll get you caught up on everything that happened next. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NFL. 
Burrow under center. Mixon lined up behind. Burrow hands it off to Mixon. He's into the end zone. Touchdown, Bengals. Here's the snap. Brady hands the ball off, running to the left. His point inside the 25. Stiff arm to the 20. On his feet to the 15. 10. 5, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Leonard Fournette. Touchdown, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jones is back in the pocket. Throws down the middle. Caught by Bourne. Running room to the outside Ooh. as he carries to the 30. Oh, nice he's on the sideline. It's what a Wilson set to take the snap and does. It's a quarterback keeper. He runs right, cuts it back to the left, dives for the goal line. He's in. That's a Jet touchdown. A great little cutback run by Zach Wilson. And the Jets have the lead. Rodgers in the shotgun, Dylan to his left. Snap to A-Rod in the pocket, dumps it over the middle. He's got Dylan, breaks a tackle to the end zone. Touchdown! Highlights from the NFL. About two-thirds of the way through the season, and look who's coming up on the outside, PK. It's Bill Belichick and the Patriots with a sixth straight win. They give the Titans a loss. Titans have lost two in a row now. Patriots roll 36-13. to Mac Jones throws for 310 yards and two touchdowns. Say it ain't so. The Patriots are back. The hoodie. This is just a hot streak in the middle of the season, right? Or oh, I think they he's rebuilt on the fly and they're ready to go. Legitimate chance to make the playoffs. Well, they got the lead in the division, so there's no doubt about that with five games to go. They're a half game up on the Bills. Looking really good right now. Other teams looking good. The Packers beat the Rams 36-28. So the Packers improved to 9-3. Best record in the NFC is the Cardinals at 9-2, who had the week off. Another big game for Aaron Rodgers, and Matthew Stafford throws a pick six for the third straight game. Not really the stat you want to have. No. Niners also heating up. They've won three in a row now. They're over 500 in a wild card spot in the NFC at 6-5. They beat the Vikings 34-26. Pick up a win there. Other teams that impressed you? The Ravens, it was ugly, but they got the win over the Browns. So, sitting in a better spot in the AFC North, 16-10. Lamar Jackson. I couldn't watch that. Threw three interceptions in the second quarter, four in the game. I turned that off. Bengals blowing out the Steelers. They improved to 7-4. and four. They're a game behind the Ravens in the North. They're sitting in a playoff spot in the AFC. Cincinnati takes both games from Pittsburgh, but Joe Burrow asked about that. Talked about the fact that they've got bigger goals. Had a little low there, but feels like they're back on their game. Monday Night Football, Seattle and Washington tonight on ESPN. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah State. Logan Bonner looking left, throwing deep. He's got a man. It is caught. Derek Wright to the 35, 20, 15, 10. Put it on the board. That is a Utah State touchdown. And the Aggies blowing the doors open here in New Mexico. 
Two receivers on each side. Bonner's going to roll out to his right. Have all day to throw. Finally dump it down, and it is caught. Is that Devin Tompkins? The record. It is. Devin Tompkins, now your leader, all-time receiving at Utah State, passes Kevin Curtis. Congratulations, your all-time leader in receiving yards. Utah State setting records and blowing out New Mexico. They were up 28-0 at halftime, and the Aggies roll 35-10, and they win the Mountain West Division title to get the help they needed because San Diego State beat Boise State. So it's Utah State and San Diego State for the Mountain West Conference title Saturday at 1 o'clock. Oh, you and Scotty are enemies. Yes. Mortal Kombat. You went to the games with your grandfather. Yes, I did. (laughs) And my dad. And my brothers. (laughs) Mom got the house to herself. Guys, get out of here. <laughs> That'll be Saturday afternoon in Carson, California. Aggies will hit the road. Second time for them in the Mountain West Conference title game. They were in the first one at Fresno and lost that. We'll see how they do against 11-1 San Diego State. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah. Rising delivers for Keithy. Touchdown, Utah. Thomas with a seam and a touchdown. Quick response from Utah. Third down and a long four, short five. Out of the gun. Rising. Looks and runs. Flips it ahead. Covey to the end zone. Touchdown. And the Utes get the win over Colorado again. They win 28-13, and they are off to the conference title game. Wasn't the blood embarrassment party that some fans might have hoped for, but comfortable enough, good enough, they win. Anything impress you about senior day for the Utes, or just they got through it, it was good enough? Uh, I While they were playing on 18 at the ledges, I sunk a 40-foot putt. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I watched the game on my phone while I was playing. The weather was too good, and it was a... Feta accompli, as they say in German. The defense was uh, was very good, I thought, in that one. The uh, special teams did give up another kickoff. So you went on vacation and did nothing but watch sports. Well, that's not true. <laughs> you but watched I watched San Diego State. I watched, you watched the Utes. You watched. <laughs> I actually, I actually left in the middle of the San Diego State game. But yeah. Uh, well, I left before it started and didn't see it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that was the thing. Everybody wasn't uh, wasn't ready to roll. That was 9 a.m. We were in the but Pacific were time zone. I was. Yeah, I was up in Adam. Yeah, of course. It's up in Adam. Yeah. <laughs> so I watched Boise State roll, and then we left, and then I found out later San Diego State pulled it together. Utah and Oregon Friday night in Las Vegas, Oregon, handling uh, Oregon State. And clinching the Pac-12 North, so it'll be a rematch. It's great news for the Pac-12 because the last thing you wanted was a Utah team facing a seven and five Washington State team. Seven to five doesn't really scream conference championship no. game, does so it? So now you got a number ten if you buy the rankings, but I don't know whether you buy them or not. It doesn't matter. They're number ten versus what number fourteen. Yep. So it's not good enough because you'd want the winner to go to the playoff, but it's the best thing that you could hope for. And you can have all sorts of storylines, and Oregon is a premier program, and you just destroyed them two weeks ago. So if you're looking to build interest in your conference, I think this is the best-case scenario under the circumstances. You you definitely wanted Oregon in there because you're trying to move up and 
And from the conference perspective, certainly I wanted those two teams. I was rooting for Oregon, and they took care of biz against the Beavers. You need need to have your best teams play, and it's clear that's what you have. DJ and PK. Hashtag BYU. Uh, Tyler Algier, straight ahead run. Breaking tackles Algier. Has another touchdown. Second down and four. Another play fake. Pressure comes. Hall throws deep to the end zone. It is caught. Touchdown. Keanu Hill right past the hand of a defender. 41 yards. BYU touchdown. Hall hands off. Straight ahead. And touchdown. Jackson McChesney. Jackson Dart on fourth down. Will throw the slant. It is caught. The tackle, though. I think they stopped him short. Caleb Hayes got Bryant to the ground. BYU's defense with a big fourth down stop to preserve the 35-31 win. BYU coming from behind in the fourth quarter. McChesney comes off the bench for Algier, who had a big game, 111 yards and two scores. But he got hit on the ground recovering a loose ball and didn't really seem right after that. So eventually he leaves the game and McChesney comes in for three carries and gets to the end zone and BYU gets the win and gets win number 10. Yeah? That's Herschel McChesney to you. <laughs> Herschel? Yeah, he looked like Herschel Walker. Just run up the middle, look strong, look fresh. Yeah, good for He him. is strong, he was fresh. Yeah. I mean, the guys were gassed and dropping and all, all that. They did what they had to do. They had to win the game, and they did. I don't care if it was a blowout. It's like the Utah Saturday or Friday night coming up. Win by one. That's all you need. You don't need to blow them out again. Who cares? Eventually, they forget. They just remember how many games you won. That was a 10-win team. I forgot uh, immediately as it happened. I didn't need eventually. <laughs> I always thought it was going to be a tough game to begin with. Turned out to be. Jaron Hall throws for 276 yards and a couple of scores. He did have a couple of picks in the game. Turnovers have been very rare for BYU this year, but they had a couple in that game. But ultimately, BYU gets the 35-31 win, and they sweep that little two-game series with USC, and got to figure the BYU coaching staff will be using that as they recruit in the coming days. If they, well, probably already been texting well, today they can go make visits that. and all. It's open yeah. open season there. I don't know how much they're going to be recruiting head-to-head with SC. It impresses uh, kids who play in California and follow SC, whether it's head-to-head with SC or not. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. They go victory formation. McNamara to a knee. Ohio State has one timeout left. They're not going to use it. 48 seconds to go, and it's going to end right here. 42-27. Michigan will defeat Ohio State and head to Indianapolis for a Big Ten title. Now for the two-point conversion to win it for Alabama. Brace in the shotgun. Gets the snap. Backpedals. Looks left. Throws. Touchdown. Two-point conversion. And Alabama wins. John Mechie on the grab. John Mechie on the grab. And Alabama has come from nowhere to defeat the Auburn Tigers in multiple overtimes. (laughs) Alabama gets off the deck to defeat Auburn. Michigan. After eight straight losses, beats Ohio State. With her $100 million budget, came from nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they came from their own two or three yard line. 
uh, two, it's not conversion. Two point conversion. I know, nobody knows how to refer to it. It's not a two point conversion. It's a play they concocted. The college overtime rule is so stupid. Don't you think it's going to be changed? That seems to be the universal opinion. Yeah, this isn't going to last. They come up with that. You're already working these kids. Work them a few more plays. I mean, jeez, my goodness. It's such a dumb, dumb rule. You know, in soccer, we got the penalty kicks. But then go score in regulation if you don't want to have it come down to that. But in football, you battle, battle, battle. Then you concoct some dumb bleep rule. It just makes no sense. They had it concocted when they were at the 25-yard line. But that seems way better than this nonsense. It did. It did. They were getting universally praised for having the best overtime and being better than the NFL, and nobody's saying that this year. But it really does feel like it's going to be a one-and-done one thing. Because every so. time it happens, people complain about it. Yeah, win or lose. Di- different leagues, win or lose. Different leagues, different parts of the country. It doesn't seem like it's satisfying anybody anywhere, so I expect it gets changed in the offseason. There's so. no reason to stick with it. People complained after Alabama-Auburn. People complained after Penn State-Illinois. I don't think anybody in this part of the country, I mean, most of the country wasn't watching it, but nobody in this part of the country thought the San Diego State-Utah finish was great. Every time it comes up, people cringe. So it'll probably go away. Yeah, I think it should. That and might then, be a little optimistic, but that's what I'm thinking. And then Michigan, that was sweet. And I love his comment because Ryan Day Born was on third base. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many people out there who think, and they and you can tell because they try to pop off and try to justify, no, I made it on my own. No, you didn't. You made it because you were born into money. That's how you made it. And you were born on third base. And you think you hit a triple. At least don't insult us and say, I was born on third base. Ryan Day inherited Ohio State when it was already fixed and running smoothly under Urban Meyer and winning double-digit years and cranking out it. Tons of NFL players on the roster. Was Lincoln Riley part two? And and Harbaugh was thinking, well, I coached at the University of San Diego, built Stanford up from nothing, did the NFL thing, came here to Michigan, been chasing you guys. Yeah. Good on them. That was sweet to see. And now they go play for the championship, the Big Ten championship, and they get Iowa because Wisconsin lost. So that was a surprise. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was going to be Wisconsin, but don't you? Yeah. Michigan's favorite either way. I understand that. And then Ohio State to the Rose Bowl? That's the way I would see it. DJ and PK, the other college football news. Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma for USC. Florida gets their head coach, Louisiana Raging Cajuns head coach, Billy Napier, who's led Louisiana to 10 or more wins in three straight seasons. He's 42 years old, and he gets his shot in the SEC now at the Swamp. Going to Florida. Yeah, he was one of those assistants that was supposed to stay with Herm, and all the assistants were going to stay. And all hell broke loose because some assistants got head coaching jobs. Napier was one of them. And now he's going to try and make the magic happen for the Gators. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Donovan, rise and fire three. Pow! Utah leads! Donovan Mitchell! He just wins, wins, wins. He's got the 
the will. Valanciunas the rebound. He got decked. It's taken by Graham. Now B.I. shovels at Devontae. Pull up three right wing for the win. Yes, he hit it with 1.3 left. With 1.3 left. Oh, Conley right down the lane. Kicks to Rudy Gay. Left corner. Crowd comes to their feet as the ball goes through the cylinder. Left corner three for Rudy Gay. Conley driving high off the window above the square. Lays it up and then Conley steals. It goes to the corner, fires the three, and hits. Oh, Mike Conley, don't do me like that. Jazz split two games with the Pelicans, losing 98-97 Friday, then blowing New Orleans out Saturday, 127-105. You can add the New Orleans loss to the Memphis loss to the Indiana loss, head scratchers at home, PK. Not not what Jazz fans are expecting well, to see. Absolutely inexcusable. Again, they just have no offense at the end there. Donovan Mitchell just dribbling around, looking like, what's going to happen? Are you paying these guys to run plays or do something? And then just kind of goes down the lane and uh, did it even hit the rim? And it was just an awful possession. I can live with the three by Graham. At the, the the one that uh, Jackson hit the three in Memphis, I can't live with it because Gobert should have been on him. This one here, running at full speed and, and pulling up, hitting the shot, okay, great. But then the offensive possession that preceded it was brutal. But there was lots of brutality before that. They shouldn't have been in a one-possession game. And they weren't the next night because they're supposed to be way better than New Orleans. Sure, you can say that every game, though. I'm trying to look to say something different rather than say the same thing every game. Uh, that, that was a. You're going to have games in which you need to convert at the end, and that was a brutal possession. And you can always say, well, sure, they shouldn't have been in. I get that. You can say that every game, every time. And then it was such desperate measures that Conley played back to back. We haven't seen that in a long time. Right. I don't expect we'll see it again real soon. But Royce O'Neal was out, and Conley was in. And then Joe slides in the starting lineup, and again has a great game, as he usually does when he starts. Jazz take on the Blazers, 7 o'clock tonight. Home game, Vivint's Arena and AT&T Sportsnet will have the television broadcast. Coverage on the zone begins at 6 o'clock with Jazz Game Night, the pregame show. Hashtag NBA. Curry crosses midcourt, takes a left sideline, stops, fades, fires. Ridiculous! Ridiculous! Here's a three-pointer. Chris Middleton buries it from the left side. Monty Middleton, money from three-point range. Here's LeBron! LeBron! Well, he's shooting well from the outside, isn't he? Four out of six. Golden State Warriors win again. They beat the Clippers 105 to 90. They improved to 18 and 2 on the season. Steph Curry had 33 in the win. The Warriors are 18-2, and and right behind them, the Phoenix Suns, winners of 16 in a row, are 17-3. Top two teams in the NBA, and looking right now like the top two teams by a wide margin. Oh, yeah, both those guys are rolling, man, both clubs. Tremendous starts through 20 games to be 18-2 and 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 17-3 is outstanding. Yep. Lakers beat the Pistons. LeBron had 33 and 9 assists. The Lakers get back to 500, which is currently 6th in the West, 11 and 11 right now. Bunch of teams uh, sitting right at 500. The Blazers, the Timberwolves, and the Grizzlies are all 10 and 10. So, bunch of teams bunched up there. Waiting to see who gets it together and gets on a little bit of a roll there. Celtics. Boston is back over 500. 
They get the win. They beat the Raptors 109-97. Milwaukee Bucks set to sign veteran big man DeMarcus Cousins to a one-year non-guaranteed deal. That move is supposed to bolster their front court because Brooke Lopez is dealing with a back injury. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Paulo in transition. Taking his time, top of the key. Thought about a shot. Backs up on Timmy and knocks it down. Strother has it. The Bulldogs will run back and forth. We go here in Las Vegas. Nemhart gets around John all the way to the rim. Lays it off the glass and in. Bounces it to Holmgren. He's defended over there by Williams. Left-handed penetration. He fades away in the paint. Up and in. Soft touch from the freshman. Zags back on top. Trevor sizing it up to the right and Roach. 15 on the timer. 45 seconds to go. Roach on the drive. Got inside. Off the window and in. College basketball again rolling. BYU is now 6-0. They beat the Utes, give Utah their first loss of the year. Utah drops to 5-1. Cougars win 75-64. Anything impress you in that game? Close first half, and then yeah. BYU taking well, control Utah's in the second half. BYU's a better program right now, and they go on the road. I think it was ridiculous to have it. They should have had it like a Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, but Why go against college football and all that yeah, on a Saturday? And I think they should play each other home and home every year because it, uh, attendance spikes for sure. Uh, what was it? Lucas hit the big threes. Yeah, I was I was impressed with them. Uh, and Utah, you know, they've they've got some talent, they've got some energy, and new life into the program. That's nice. Utah State is also like the Utes, five and one. They beat Texas Arlington eighty to sixty one. Justin Bean had twenty four and ten. That's Justin Bean Bryant. <laughs> Seeing him written up as an NBA prospect now for the first time. The best player in the state. John Hollinger had a bunch of nice things to say about him. Writing him up, former Grizzlies executive. UVU won their sixth straight game, seventy seven sixty eight over Denver. They improved to six and one. On the season. Yeah, I think their only loss was that Boise to start. BYU goes there Wednesday. Yeah. Is that a television game? Streaming ESPN Plus. Weber State beat Dixie State. Weber State also off to a, uh, a good start here at the start of the year. They win that game 87-70, to and Weber State improves to 6-0 and with that victory. And Gonzaga... They're not going to win them all, PK. So what? Yeah, okay. You got me there. <laughs> Duke beat them 84-81. A couple of the best teams in the country. If they meet again in a regional final or a final four, nobody will be surprised. Yeah, I watched that game Friday night. DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. Pablo Ruiz. Brody. And Anderson Julio steals in to steal an equaliser. He has made the world of difference since coming off the bench. And this Rail Salt Lake tale of the unexpected is far from finished. Rail Salt Lake, the masters of the late, late goal. And this is Justin Merrim going past Susie. Three up with him. Bobby Wood! Bobby Wood may well have won it for Rail Salt Lake. Out of the shadows, off the bench, into the sparkling spotlight. Potentially as the match winner here. RSL 2-1 over Sporting Kansas City. They advanced to the Western Conference Final. The Cinderella run had to win on the road in the last game in stoppage time, and they did it. Be penalty and penalties in Seattle to beat the Sounders. It's play. Now this. 
not stoppage. They're playing. Playage time. Yeah, and who was that dude, man? Anytime you have a guy who has an accent, boy, he really knows soccer. Who the right? hell was that? <laughs> I think that was John Champion. John Champion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, man, if he's got an accent, then I mean, he really knows his stuff because that means he's not from here. So he grew up where soccer's a big deal. So you have instant credibility. If you want credibility next season, which starts like tomorrow, I think. I need to that, work on my accent? Yeah, create something then. You'll, you'll really get yourself going there. But, you know, I think it, it boils down to just simply believe in Pablo Power. I believe in Pablo Power. You're not the only one. Apparently he gave a rousing post-game speech in Seattle, fueled them, and they believed even though they were down at halftime in Kansas City. And they got it done. Of course, they've been good against Seattle and Kansas City this year. They have not been good against Portland, and they are going to Portland for the conference That's it. Expectations low lock. I get it. So you're not hurt. I see what you're doing. Yeah, they're 0-3 against the Timbers. Yeah, but the well, Timbers, three and the Timbers of all time against Seattle. I'm going to raise so expectations. Shut up. I'm going to raise expectations here for the Timbers. The Timbers, uh, Dyrone Espria got a red card for hitting a guy, an, an opponent, in the 94th minute. So he won't be able to play. And Sebastian Blanco got hurt, pulled a hamstring, and looks like those are usually... They're going to sideline you for a while, so I wouldn't expect him to play either. No, so I wouldn't. No, it's no. two important Plus he's a guys soccer out. Guys, so you know he's two important exactly. guys out for Portland. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, but we got Pablo. Believe in Pablo Power, my Thunderbird Chief, and Albert Rusnak presumably will be back after missing ten days for a COVID positive COVID test. What do you like, Orrin Hatch, that one time he came on our show and just reading names off rosters? No, I'm not just reading <laughs> names. I'm telling you specific things about these guys' individual storylines. But he's going to remember the two guys you mentioned in Portland. <laughs> Dyrona Spria. All right, DJ and PK, that game uh, coming up Saturday. Saturday at 4.30. Western Conference Final, and that'll be on FS1. And there you go. That's what's trending. Those are the headlines. Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Nick Ford, Ute offensive lineman at 9 o'clock. Blake Anderson, Aggie head coach at 9.30. Talking conference title games, Pac-12 and Mountain West with Nick Ford and Blake Anderson. Stay with us. This is Unrivaled. Guys are doing a hell of a job. Utah wins with its offense, with Kyle Whittingham right. as a coach. That that could set off like world panic right there. Like I mean, the markets could go off and shift. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. I mean, we could have we could have rioting and looting in the streets with that kind of play. It's like maybe going to a spread offense. Exactly. Like- and the and the other thing is Utah and the Pac-12 just grew up. It wasn't like okay, we're fighting for some relevance. Utah dominated this game from the start to finish with their offense. They did it with their defense. They did it with their special teams. Utah is the best team in the Pac-12. That is unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kieran. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK in the morning proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Question of the morning. BYU, 10-2, 5-0 against the Pac-12. There it is, 5-0 against the Pac-12. What more can you say? Nothing. Well, I think there's more things you can say, but you damage your own case. I'm speechless. 
You're speechless. You're never speechless. I am now. You gave us 15 solid minutes on this topic earlier in the show. But that was for the early risers. For the uh, post-830 crowd, I don't think you're out of words. I'm speechless. Okay. This is a great year for BYU. To back up the 11-1, to back up... Oh, so that's it. You just <laughs> Who decided. are you? He's just—he's a cartoon character. I forget which Mike one. Mike Tyson over here? I thought it was more like Daffy, 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 Daffy Duck. Daffy Duck, too. Yeah, Daffy yeah. Duck. Yeah. After 11-1 last year... No, the Daffy Ducks are Friday night. 10-2. <laughs> nice for association. 10-2 this year, sweeping cool the Pac-12. I can't do that. Uh, you can, yeah, that's really good how you can do that. <laughs> Snap both fingers like that. That was impressive. Whatever they had to hear, whatever the fans here to ha- hear from other fan bases, whatever the coaches had to hear on the recruiting trail, because that's more important. Oh, yeah, they won a bunch of games. Who do they play? Don't go to that school. Come to our school. And now the BYU coaches can go out there and say, 23 and 3 in the last three. You want to do some winning? You want to play in the Big 12? I don't know that that's going to really make a big difference to high schoolers. Maybe you went 23 and 3 over two years? Because I think they recruit who they recruit. But they don't get everybody they recruit. I get there's some guys they aren't going to recruit, but they're not getting all the players they go after. And all all the coaches say winning helps in recruiting. And you're still not going to get all the guys, though. So when you say that, you're partially true. This is what you do so well. You get a little bit of truth and then you just. Chomp on that. Hang on. Well, you did that for two years. That's true. <laughs> so. <laughs> I did he it just for gave than, himself up. I did it for more than two years. He just gave himself up. Finally. Uh, possibly. <laughs> so. More than two years. Okay. 23 and three. Well, you extended how many times? <laughs> I've done 19 years here on the radio. I'm on my fourth contract extension. Or is it fifth? I've lost track. Uh, uh. But nevertheless, it's not going to hurt recruiting, that's for sure. I mean, come on. I, I think it actually is a bonanza in, a, in the transfer market. That's where I think they can no, really cash thing. in, which, which is, is the same recruiting. thing. It is recruiting. It's I a just different said style. It's not, right. I don't know how much of a difference it's going to make in the high school recruiting. Well, I, I would agree with you probably more in transfer because the transfer kids don't, Super have, as much important. El- they don't have as much eligibility and they want to come in and win. Yeah, you can, yeah, yeah, you yeah. can go to a high school say, kid and say, we're building something, come here and be a part of it. Yeah. New coaches who are replacing whatever four or five win coach who got fired or eight-win coach who got fired, uh, are going to say, come here and help us build I think something. the sky's the limit in the transfer portal, as they, uh, especially uh, in this year and then next year for sure, as they go into the Big 12. I think that is big time, because you're going to get kids. I mean, we just heard Samson Nakua, you know, with the wild hair when he was 18. He's not 18 anymore. He's not interested necessarily in a wild hair, right? He's grown up. Now, he's a local kid, but still, it's a good example. He said that about an hour and 15, 20 minutes ago. So you can imagine, and we've seen it with Pope. He's done it too, get these kids come in. I think that they can have a bonanza in the transfer market. It come 64,000 people. We've got uh, Oklahoma State and, and blah, 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 and Baylor and these teams. We're playing them every year. They come into our stadium. The place will be packed. Cougar fans everywhere. Samson spoke about that only every single week he was on that they had an away game. He was amazed by that. So, yeah, the sky's the limit. There's a reason why Lincoln Riley said, I don't want any part of these guys. I'm leaving to the Pac-12. 
That's not exactly what he said. If you listen closely with a discernible <laughs> ear. These guys might have been more about the SEC than BYU joining the Big 12. Even though they're just going to coincide for a year or two, maybe we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, if that, but two years tops. He wanted no part. I mean, I, I wouldn't, be, wouldn't be surprised if Gundy left too. You're telling me those guys are coming in? Oh, my. There's no way the Grime Dog would have gone to Baylor if he would have known they would have been the same conference. Holgerson at Houston? Forget that. This is a juggernaut that they are building. 10-2 and two this year, 11-1 and one last year. What's it going to be next year and the year beyond? Lavelle Edwards Stadium at Kalani Sataki Field. 23 and 3 the last two years, 5 and 0 against the Pac 12. Beat the top team in the South, beat the second place team in the South, beat the second place team in the North. 1 and 0 against the Big Sky, 1 and 0 against the ACC, about to be 1 and 0 against the Sun Belt. Coming up. The records just fall. What did they go 1 and 1 in the Mountain West? Yes. 1 and 1 in Mountain West. All right. That's the fewest losses of anybody in the in the Mountain Division. What? Utah State had two. He's not wrong. Oh, I got six it. and two records. I can't even follow. Once I follow, you're right. But I was... no, he's dead on with it. I know, but I was in the Big Twelve. I was in a Pac-12. It didn't occur to me to check the Mountain Division. We'll play Mountain anybody, Street. anywhere, all five regions of the country, all five corners. We'll play them. The fifth corner? Yeah. Texas. Right. That's because the recruiting has been so good, they can now put five corners out on the field. Before, they could barely put one. Now they got five DBs. They're all great. Nick Ford in 15 minutes right here on the Zone Sports Network. The new Zone lineup is here. With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the Zone welcomes Unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6. Live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. And now, really? your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. All hands off, straight ahead, and touchdown! Jackson McChesney! Off the bench in a huge spot. That is your Chevy strong play of the game. Know it today at 450 on Unrivaled, and you can win fabulous prizes. Kenny Mack. <laughs> Jackson, but. He has family that listens to this show. I think it might be a new nickname you created for him. Kenny McChesney, man. Looking like Herschel Walker. <laughs> Looked awesome, man. Put him in there in the fourth quarter. Got three Looked carries. Strong. Three carries All on the game winning drive. Oh, yeah. Nothing fancy. <laughs> no, nah, they thought. they knew they were gassed. Yeah, right. Everybody was gassed. I was gassed watching it. So run right at him and fall forward it's like for another a yard or two. Midnight, we were all gassed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A Rod just said, okay, don't fumble. We'll just score. I mean that was that was a critical play, uh, critical possession, I should say. I think the the most critical was the Trojans got holding after that interception, and then it backed them up, and so then it was like uh, third and twenty, I think it was, and they got about 15, 16 yards, and they had to punt. And then the Cougs went right down the field for the winning score. 
That was a, a dramatic drive, and they knew at that point that the defense, which isn't very good to begin with with SC, was just running on empty for sure. And so they engineered uh, a, a clutch drive. It was very, very important for them to win that game, to finish 10-2. and two. It would have been much harder to spin at 9-3 and three and 4-1. and one. No. I mean, they really, really wanted it. It was, it was cool for them to get it. And then they end up with a dream season. 10-2, and 5-0. and zero. In the last time, the only time you'll ever play five Pac-12 teams, and certainly the last time. And now they wait for their bowl assignment, which Samson told us he's here in Independence Bowl, and that means UTSA. They're all hoping for New Year's Six. But they, that's nothing that they can decide. So that doesn't put any tarnish on the season whatsoever. Sure, I would love for them to play in the Fiesta or what have you, but that's something that they can't do anything about. You know, that, that was the, there was a few downsides in Independence, and that was one of them. But it doesn't take away from the season that they've had. The 5-0 and and the 10-2. and So it's a who-gives-a-crap game. You got me there. But many of the bowl games are. Yeah. If you're going to play a who-gives-a-crap game, why not play it before Christmas? Coaches are all in favor of that. In the afternoon on ABC. I think everybody is. So you get done, what is it, the 18th? 18th, week yeah. before Christmas. Yeah. And it's so, going to be Saturday afternoon, 1.30? 1.30 ABC. So get it done. All your recruits can see it. All your potential transfers can see it. And you are home for the holidays. Yeah. Put your feet up and uh, for a couple of weeks. I think that's a dead period right around then. And then you come back with the uh, the winter conditioning and, and away you go. And you get into the recruiting and all that stuff. Yeah. I, in, in a sense... If you're going to play a who gives a crap bowl game, which I think they should all be like, who gives a crap bowl game number one, who gives a crap bowl game number two, and just label them that way. And so do that. As you're leaving Independence, you play in the Independence Bowl. There's some type of... You find some comedy in that? Yeah. Yeah. In a sense. Uh, I don't know what bowl they've got lined up next year. Uh, But yeah, the Independence Bowl. The goodbye Independence Bowl. (laughs) All right, DJ and PK, coming up next, the Utes are headed to the conference title game. Oregon, for the second time in three weeks, Nick Ford, Ute offensive lineman, joins us next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's time to welcome in Nick Ford, University of Utah offensive lineman. Nick joins us now on the Smart Rain guest line. Best State Award winner, Smart Rain, has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain's giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Nick, good morning. Good morning. Nick, it's a lot of work to get back to this point, but you have done it. You are in game week for the Pac-12 championship game for the third time in four years. Can you put into words for all the fans out there how much work it is when you got to start over, go back to square one, and try to get back to this point again? Yeah, I mean, it is It is a lot of work. You go, you know, you start all the way at right after bowl prep and you hit winter conditioning and you know, you have your long days. You're waking up at five in the morning, getting home at eleven o'clock, and 
that's pretty much your schedule most of the time until you know season hits and then season's about like a six thirty to eleven ten o'clock schedule and you know it is it is long and rough for sure um and uh going into this season i think this was probably like the longest road to get to this uh point to where we are right now in terms of uh physically and mentally it's interesting that you get oregon and you just pulverized them two weeks ago we all know about that i think it was the greatest conference win that the utes have had since they've been in the pac-12 and now you get them two weeks later on a neutral field uh, what are your thoughts about Oregon being a, a maybe like a wounded animal? Because obviously you guys just embarrass them, not only just beat them, but embarrass them. So what does that mean as far as what's going to happen this week? Um, I mean, that doesn't mean anything if we don't go out there and do it again. Um, our main focus right now is, you know, just keep it even keel and continue to do what we've been doing. Because if you begin to, you know, uh, think too much and get too tense and get too stressed, uh, that's as bad as being too relaxed and not worrying at all. So um, we got to, you know, make sure that we understand that, uh, you know, a couple of days ago, because that's really what it was. A couple of days ago is a couple of days ago, and uh, this Friday is a new game, and we need to attack that game the same exact way that we did last time. But, uh, you know, it doesn't mean nothing if we can't go out and do it again. You know, after that Oregon win in the post game, Britton Covey brought up, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but basically said, we made them mad. They're going to be angry. They were going to bring it in that game in a way uh, that we had better be prepared for because they aren't going to be the same team they were out there tonight. And I wondered how much was that Britain just figuring that stuff out and looking ahead and how much the coaches addressed that with you after the game? Um, that was more Britain looking ahead because coaches really focus on, you know, whatever whatever we have next for sure. But, um, I mean, everyone understands that, you know, um, there is a good possibility of that. Um, you know, people have a lot of opinions and um there's a lot of competitors on that team and a true competitor is going to be really pissed off. They're going to be pissed off for greatness and it's going to, um, you know, make it into a way more fun game. I think it's cool that you play these guys because it's clear you guys are the two best Pac-12 teams. They're ranked 10th and uh, you're ranked 14th. So an opportunity to beat them again, you know, move up in the Rose Bowl and, and you'll obviously you'll play a highly ranked uh, big uh, 10 team if you win, whoever wins will. Um, to me, from a fan perspective, that's what I want for the U of U, to get the most exposure, the best possible outcomes possible. As I look at that, I think this is what it is. How do you view it? Um, I, I mean, I, I view it exactly how the coach has been viewing it. You know, going into this week, being 1-0, um, that's, that's my main focus. That's our main focus. Um, we understand that, you know, there's a good amount of exposure and there's a lot of great things that can come with, you know, the possibility of winning this week and, you know, a New York Six Rose Bowl. Um, but if if we look forward to the possibilities and the if ands or buts, you know, you don't you don't accomplish what's set out right in front of you. So I mean, um, you know, we understand what um can happen in the long run and what it could um be interpreted like. But uh we need it for sure continue to stay you know on our track that we've been doing 
Nick Ford, you offensive lineman, join us. What, if anything, do you learn and do you take from the two previous Pac-12 title games you've been in? This will be the third and four years, so there are going to be some guys in this roster, you know, familiar with this game in this moment. What do you take from those two previous trips? Um, a couple, a couple of things, and I think the main thing is what I've been harping on right now, and you know that we're getting the team, especially the young cats, to understand that uh, you know if, if there's not going to be anyone too relaxed. I guarantee you that. There's no one on this team that's going to be too relaxed. Um, the worst thing that would happen is people being too tense because that's, uh, you know, that's as bad as being too relaxed. So, I mean, um, you know, just getting everyone to understand that, you know, this is a big game, but don't, you know, big players make big plays on big stages. And um, we need to understand that and keep everyone at even keel and continue to push forward the way we've been doing because if we do that and we attack the week exactly how we attacked the week last time and we attack the game we attack everything in the exact same fashion we'll be okay but you know if we start getting too tense then it's not going to fare well so we need to make sure you know we just continue to be ourselves and do everything we've been doing as I checked out the Oregon-Oregon State game the other night and knowing that uh, Oregon needed to win I think the most impressed that I was with the Ducks is their defense because Oregon State has been known to run the ball very, very well this whole entire season, and Oregon really bottled up the Beavers' running attack. I don't know if you watched it uh, and can speak to it, but I'm wondering uh, if you did, did they do anything different, and how much more difficult do you think that this game would be for the Utes to run the ball against Oregon because their run defense on Saturday sure looked really good. Uh, I mean, their their run defense has been amazing all year. You look at the stats. Um, you know, we like I said, we played them a couple of weeks ago, and you know they're an incredible run defense. They're a, a talented defense. Um, they uh, had we watched film, and they've had a slight variation that's very slight. And um, you know, we're just going to go out there and do exactly what we did last time. And you know, we got to understand that we dictate the tempo and. You know, if we continue to go and do what we're do- doing, then we don't we don't really have much to worry about because, but like I said a couple of weeks ago, if you look at their overall stats, they're one of the best run defenses in the country, and I'm sure they still are to this day. Um, and I think the main thing is just going out there and understanding that even though we see everything on film from our game and we see everything from the Oregon State game, that we're going to go out there and they're going to have adjustments made. Um, maybe they did th- uh, are going to do things that they didn't do in the Oregon State game because they're saving it for us. Maybe they're going to do this, maybe they're going to do that. And uh, we were going to have to go out there and adjust and you know the faster we adjust and go we're you know we're going to start getting points on the board and the slower we adjust it's going to be the exact opposite so i think the main thing is going out there um and doing what we've been doing and uh continuing to play our style of football to you know produce the points we've been producing how's bam feeling it looked like he uh the one thing he didn't want was injuries in that game and he he left but he did come back to the game so how's he doing that boy's fine (laughs) Yeah, he's a fool now. That boy's fine. Yeah, I, I would think that uh, as far as health goes, it seems like you guys are in a pretty good position. So, you know, they've ha- you've had a couple injuries along the way, but nothing that looks like would getting the what nothing new, I should say, should get in the way of this game, right? Yeah, de- definitely not. And you know, if if and you know things were to happen, or um, even if things were happening in the game, I think the mentality of this team is that uh, 
I think in all honesty that people would sacrifice the, their bodies to, you know, come out with their ultimate goal because, you know, it's been a very long world uh, mentally and physically and, uh, you know, everyone's going to do everything they can until they drop to go out and do what we need to do. So with the Oregon players, uh, was there any, uh, either during the game or after the game, any talk about rematch next time, maybe you're walking off the field, see you in two weeks, any of that stuff or no? Oh, no, for sure. No, I got a, I got a couple friends over there, and, you know, I was talking to them. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to see you in a couple of weeks. Hey, yeah, I'm going to see you. And then, uh, you know, just texting them and, you know, just being, you know, casual and stuff. Because, like I said, you know, football is an amazing sport, um, ultimate, one of the most ultimate competitive sports in the world. And, um, you know, it's still, you still have those friendships. And, um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of, there's a lot of talk. I mean, we got brothers on each other's team. We got people who grew up with each other. We got people uh, who went to the same school, who went to rival schools. Um, we, they, I mean, they got some Salt Lake boys and, you know, Utah boys. So um, there's a lot of people who have mutual connections. And, uh, you know, we all kind of figured it would happen. And, you know, we all have chit-chatted before. And, um, yeah, for sure. I mean, I even was talking about it to a couple of the cats. So you've been coy about what your future plans are. Uh, but that could have been your last game in Rice Eccles. Was there any extra sense of emotions? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, having my family be there and everything um, that came out, Paul Tawala and his wife, uh, I consider them family. They're really close to me. Um, you know, they printed out a, a big picture of my brother who passed away. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was a – tad bit of an emotional game but uh you know i kind of have a have a switch in my head um so you know um walking out the tunnel it was slightly emotional uh, but you know as soon as that was over i mean that was over it was time to go out and play you know you've been at the u a long time now and kyle whittingham has spoken of you probably two, at least two times in the last month at his press conferences, maybe more. Uh, and he, he clearly holds you in high regard and likes the way you, you work and the way you carry yourself and the way you're a leader on the team. And I'm just curious if you have heard so much from Kyle over the years. At any point, could you stand up when he's ready to address the team and tell him, never mind, Kyle, I got this. I know what you're going to say. I mean, as the words come out of his mouth, you literally know, I know he's going to say this. Yeah, I mean... You know, you, Coach Witts, uh, you know, he's an amazing guy. He has a very specific style of coaching, and that's what it's been for years. And the longer you're here, you start to understand that, and uh, you understand what he's going to say, when he's going to say it, how he's going to say it. Um, I would never dare interrupt him. You know, that's rude. Um, but, you know, we've grown uh, very close to each other. Um, he doesn't uh, – I don't, I don't really listen into uh, the press conferences and stuff like that. Um, I'm sure you know he may say this that uh, every every now and again, um, but you know my relationship with him is really nice, uh, and that's the same with all the coaches, and that's what I think makes this program special is because they're they're a coach, but at the same time they're a father figure and friend. Um, they're going to be your coach and be that father figure, and you know be stern when they need to, but at the same time they'll joke the next minute and you know be friendly to the next minute and you know chit chat whatever it is and um so yeah you kind of get a feel for people's personalities what they're going to say it's like you know having a friend that's uh, really responsible and you know who takes 
takes you know great care in you, and um, that's exactly who Coach Wood is. He's going to be stern and make sure you do right, but he's also going to be really friendly and you know make sure you're taken care of and happy. Vegas is only four hours away from where you grew up. Do you expect some family, maybe friends, to be at this ball game? Oh, 100 percent. They're already talking about driving out, <laughs> already buying tickets and everything, and asking me if I can get some more. What? How many do you get access to, if any? Uh, I believe six. And how many do you think you need? How many friends and family you will have? Will you have there? Oh, only God knows, man. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Right now, it's about like I think about like fifteen. As you go into this game, and it's going to be an electric atmosphere, right? Because the Rose Bowl on the, is on the line, so that's obvious. How do you balance between getting emotionally ready and at a fever pitch, but not going overboard with that? Um, it's a lot of experience. You know, that's why we talk to our young cats and uh, make sure they know what to do. Um, uh, we're, you know, we're going to go out to Vegas. We're going to go down into the stadium prior to playing the game uh, the day before. So nobody on the team is starstruck to be in uh, the new Raiders stadium. Then, you know, we're going to go back to the hotel and, you know, just have our normal, normal quote-unquote Friday of football where we all hang out. This is on Thursday. That's why I said quote-unquote. We all hang out and, you know, watch a movie, go eat, you know, just have a good time, be around each other and, you know, cherish the moment. And, um, you know, go out there game day, go out, warm up, do everything. And, um you know, just talk to everyone, get everyone hyped up, but not to get too tense. And like I, like I said, that's been the main thing. And I think that's even going to be said on that game day is, you know, letting everyone understand, yes, we're on a big stage. Yes, it's a big game. Yes, there's a lot of things at stake. But, you know, we need to go out there and do exactly what we did a couple weeks ago and exactly what we've been doing for the past couple many weeks and you know as long as we continue to harp that and that's mainly throughout the week I think we're gonna win that battle throughout the week is attacking every single day like we've been doing and if you know if we do that I don't think the emotions are gonna get too high I don't think people are gonna be too tense but if we change how we have been preparing and up into the game then I think it will um, affect us and uh We've done a pretty good job so far, and everyone's, uh, you know, in a good mood. They understand everything, just like a couple weeks ago. They understand everything on the line, but at the same time, you know, we're just preparing the way we've been preparing. You guys have played in classic old stadiums like the Rose Bowl and the uh, L.A. Memorial Coliseum, and you played in the new 49er Stadium. Really, is the new Raiders Stadium going to blow anybody away? Is that really a, a potential issue? Uh, possibly. That's that's why we're going down there. Uh the night before to walk around, see everything, probably go in the locker room, go out in the field, um, stuff like that. Um, you know, because it is, it is pretty cool. You can't lie. Um, and, uh, you know, I think getting that out of our system, um, you know, having a space to where you can, you know, let those emotions run out and be kind of starstruck or, pretty good especially for some of the younger guys but i know for some of the older guys we we kind of understand you know what we're going there for and uh you know we have time to you know be starstruck or look around and be excited afterwards but we for sure you know going the day before it's going to help out a lot of the young guys you know understand that oh look this is a stadium just like every other stadium you know there's a hundred and 20 yards, including the end zone of football field. And, you know, there's no difference in that versus Rice Cycles or, you know, wherever we may be. 
Well, we want to cover the game January 1st, so we need you to win. So can, can you take care of that for us? Hey, man, we're going to continue doing what we've been doing. <laughs> well, Nick, we appreciate a few minutes, as always, and we will uh, talk to you next Monday. And, and, you know, if things go right, I'll be able to introduce you as the first Pac-12 champion in school history. Heck yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you, Nick. Take care. Nick Ford, Utah offensive lineman, join us every week here on The Zone. How many Ute fans going to be there? How crazy that environment going to be, you think? Oh, I think they'll have a good 500. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, that's just people Nick knows from the South Bay, apparently. <laughs> I would say in the 20s. That'd be a good crowd. Want to have that roar when you come out onto the field? Oh, it'll be noticeable. Yeah, absolutely it will be. You will know it. I mean, I don't think it's going to be 50000 like it was for the Fiesta Bowl because it's a different situation here. Now, Rose Bowl, that's another story because the time of year, people can get off work. Here, it's probably going to be a lot of folks going down Friday day sometime, mm-hmm. maybe some folks Thursday. Um, so it's more of a get down there, watch the game, and, and then head out. Uh, so... I would expect uh, a decent crowd, but not like Fiesta Bowl and then anticipation of Rose Bowl. Because it's, it's, it's not really a, uh, in this situation, it's, it's not really a planned vacation type thing. And the other thing, too, like Fiesta Bowl, I use that because that's the greatest moment, I think, uh, in terms of attendance in Utah. Because I was at the Sugar Bowl, I was at the Fiesta Bowl. And well, it, one one was drivable and one yeah. was not. And so it's going to be different. You have weeks to prepare. Yeah. Here well, you had two. Oh well, yeah, you had two, but a lot of folks I think bought tickets because it was inevitable. You know, because you had even if you had lost Oregon, you still had the Devils were going to lose to Oregon State, and you were going to be Colorado. So it's a little bit longer than that. But this is almost like a business trip for the fans too. It's not necessarily a vacation like in the Fiesta Bowl. You know, as I said a million times, walking around Old Time Scottsdale and Tempe, and uh, you saw Ute fans everywhere because it was good weather, and they were down for several days. There's probably. Of the 50,000, I think, that we estimated that they had Ute fans there, which I think was pretty close, you know, I think it was maybe probably, I don't, this is off the top of my head, but like maybe 5,000 who only went down for the game. You know what I mean? Because a lot of them were down there like three, four a, days ahead of time. Yeah. The weather's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the time of year. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think a lot of folks are going to be heading to the game on Friday. Now, I was down in St. George on the weekend. Uh, for the Thanksgiving weekend, and coming home yesterday, uh, man, got outside of uh, Cedar C- Cedar City all the way past uh, Beaver was pretty much uh, stop and go. Uh, that was a it was a, a decent uh, traffic thing. So I suspect we'll see the same type of thing, maybe heading down. But yeah, I think you you fans are going to rally because this is a great opportunity, and it's much closer. Uh, by what, uh, probably half to drive to Santa Clara, t- uh, drive time versus Vegas, right? It's like 12, 13 hours mm-hmm. to go from here to oh, this is all way the way down trip. to S- Santa Clara. Yeah, this is way uh, easier. Here, you know, six hours, unless you're coming from, you know, north, but just going from like downtown. So, 
I'm excited for this opportunity because I think that the Ute fans are really going to show up. And, I, you know, I wonder about Oregon, uh, how many fans they're going to have. They're going to have some because they always have some. But I don't know that they would have as much as they would normally have, say, if, uh, like, this was to go to the playoff. But, that would motivate more people. Yeah, it would motivate more people. But I view Oregon... Uh, uh, and it's obviously pun intended as a wounded duck because it's almost like the embarrassment of two weeks ago is a huge motivating force and you're not going to get the playoff but you lost to Stanford so you don't deserve the playoff Stanford sucks this year let's call it like it is you lost to Stanford Stanford didn't win again that was their last win yeah so I mean that's inexcusable you know what I mean? It's like trying to spell Oregon State as a good team and you lost to Colorado. Not happening. I can't go there. Um, and so, but the Rose Bowl, I think, is a decent consolation prize. So go get it. You know, because there's still, and I'm obviously 100% biased here, but the Rose Bowl to me is the pinnacle of the non playoff bowls. You know the the setting, the day, it, the tradition, the parade. Well, the fact they got to hold on to their day and their time slot, no matter what, tells you that that's all true. Yeah, yeah. You don't mess with it. You know, some things are sacred. The granddaddy is sacred. I mean, you went to see the Aztecs at Aztec Field with your granddaddy <laughs> at Aztec Field. I don't know what was it called. <laughs> Where they built the basketball stadium now. Uh, that's not where I went. It's Aztec Bowl. But I, I didn't go there. They left the Aztec. I was in Aztec Bowl once for a high school football Because well, you can see it. You can see the bleachers. They left some of the bleachers outside. It's on it's there. Cool. You see it. It's yeah. cool, actually, the way they built it and left the bleachers coming out of the, yeah. the basketball right. arena. You, if you've been yeah. to see a basketball game there, you can see those bleachers, the, what is it, concrete or whatever, where well, it used in, to be. They played in... Qualcomm and the Murph San Diego Stadium originally. Yeah, but you and Granddad. Right, but that was. Will you shed a tear if you beat the Aggies? Will you think? Will you go to the cemetery? I will not go to the cemetery. (laughs) I can guarantee you. I got no no trip planned to the cemetery. We did it, Dad. We did it, Granddad. They get if if they get in the playoff, maybe I'll do that. (laughs) <laughs> not, not for the Mountain West Conference title. Well, they've I mean, already they've already won it twice in the last I, decade. I know, but there's a, you know we make fun of it, but there's a, a twelve and one. You got a hell of a team, man. Absolutely, it's a good year. <laughs> oh, it's is, a great year. They've been ten and one. They've had a couple of ten and one seasons, and they didn't get invited to a bowl. It was a different era. There weren't as many bowl games. So, I think you should think of dad and granddad. I do. I do. You should. That. Yeah. They we freaking win the conference and go twelve and one. That's about as good as it gets. Going back to my theory that virtually nobody goes undefeated. Coming up next, Blake Anderson, Aggie football coach, headed to the Mountain West Conference title game. Stay with us, DJ and PK. It's ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The Zone. Yak, do you have something you want to give away? No, we got jazz tickets for tonight. When do you want to give those away? Do it next. All right, in the next segment, we'll come back from break. We'll give away jazz tickets. If you want to win, make sure you're here. The Jazz at home tonight, and we will send you to the game. They're playing the Blazers tonight, 7 o'clock tip time. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. 
Let's do it. You've got some big openings right now for Kalani Sataki. And if he goes 5-0 and against the Pac-12, it's going to really create some interesting conversations. However you want to look at it. I don't care if you think that Kalani is secured and locked down and things are okay. Because right now, if he beats Arizona, Utah, Arizona State, Washington State, and then USC, I don't know how the Pac-12 doesn't just open up a Brinks truck and say, what do you want? That's 5-0 and against the Pac-12. And that'll be 6-1 and in Power 5 play for Kalani. So that would be 20-3 and three in a two-year period. It's a pretty good record. Fantastic coaching performance by Kalani and his entire staff. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. we got a pair of tickets to see the Jazz and the Blazers tonight, 7 o'clock here at Vivint Arena. If you want to go to the game, be caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Call right now for Jazz Blazer tickets. If you don't win now, win again at uh, 1030. You'll have another chance coming up with Jake and Ben at 1030. And every hour, half past the hour, all day long here on The Zone Sports Network. It's time right now to welcome in Utah State football coach Blake Anderson. Coach, good morning. Good morning. Coach, were you happier with the way your team played in New Mexico or the scores that you were getting fed to you as the updates came in from the San Diego State-Boise State game? Well, I didn't I didn't get any scores until uh, after halftime. I, was, uh, I gave instructions I didn't want to know. <laughs> um, just wanted to see how our guys would handle things. We, we, you know, we obviously knew we were favored in the in the matchup and, and should be able to take care of business if we don't go down there and just do silly things and I, w- I was really pleased we we came out and uh and, and were able to uh hit the hit the big play offensively against the defense that's really kind of strange to prepare for and defensively we did what we were supposed to do we we played assignment ball didn't give up anything uh crazy you know we kind of we, we knew they were they were struggling to to put an offense on the field that that could uh, move the ball, you know, really kind of consistently. We were really worried about the trick play, the, the kind of big, um, you know, out of gap, out of assignment type play, and, and we avoided all that. And, and so I was pleased with how we played in the first half. Uh, didn't find out about the score till halftime. It was good to good to know at that point that it was at least in question, and um, didn't get the final score till right before the fourth fourth quarter. So you had an hour between the start times between their game and your game, and you had zero temptation to sneak a look at your phone? Oh, I had lots of temptation, but I didn't have the phone in my pocket. And I told the guys on the staff that, were, you know, that weren't really involved in calling the game that I, I, just, I didn't want to know. I wanted to concentrate on the first half. And, and we'd worry about it, you know, we'd worry about it later. And really nothing we could do about it anyway. Right. Just wanted to make sure we took care of our business. And with them being triple option, always makes you nervous. And their defense has made everybody's life miserable for quite a while. Rocky does a great job. So I just wanted to focus on us playing the best ball we could. And I was pleased with, with how the first half went. So sure. um, didn't really even, even you know, give myself uh, an opportunity to ask until – Right before the fourth quarter, so because I knew time-wise that yeah. we should have some idea, and yeah, um, yeah. I, it was it was possible for me to get the score right before the fourth quarter, so I could bring the group up and just tell them to be really smart about how they handle the fourth quarter. Look, San Diego State won. We've got another game to play. If we don't do anything stupid, 
You were we a didn't big. want anybody to you know to get a personal foul or or do something oh, silly yeah, down yeah, the yeah, stretch. Yeah. So uh, that was really the only time we talked about it. Well, how about though? You got like seventy five to one hundred people. How'd you keep them? How'd that work? Because you could have, and I, and I can get you because you're the face of the program and you're intense on what's in front of you, but there's a lot of stuff going on to the sides of you and behind you. Did you do stuff to make sure that everybody didn't know, including your kids? Well, uh, the way they reacted when I told them before the fourth quarter would tell me that nobody had leaked the information to them yet. I mean, it was almost... It was almost bang bang. I mean, when the when the third quarter whistle went dead, um, you know, I, we typically bring everybody up right then anyway. And a lot of times I don't step in the huddle. Sometimes I do, but it, it almost worked perfectly. I mean, literally the the San Diego State Boise game had just gone to zeros as we were transitioning to the fourth quarter. I don't know that any of them had heard. They didn't react as if they had heard when I told them, "Look, San Diego State won. We got 15 minutes to play." Uh, just the energy in the group and the response tells me that that they they obviously didn't know. Now I, I, they're they're bound to be people on the sideline, trainers, you know, uh, DFO staff, personnel staff that probably the AD. I mean, I know John and my wife were watching the game intently the whole time <laughs> over on the sideline. So there's, I just don't think it had trickled through to our players yet, and it, and it almost landed where it had happened so quickly. From the time the game was over to the time I got a chance to say something, I really don't think they knew anything. Well, that would have been uh, it. Would have been weird if at the start of the game or early in the game you had found out Boise State was up sixteen to three and was dominating. That could have cast a pall over things and the energy level guys play with. I'm a little surprised the Lobos just didn't put it on the scoreboard. Uh, yeah, me too. To be honest, and, and honestly, in most most places that you play. They're going to have conference games are up. kind of yeah. scrolling. Yeah. You know, so I, I didn't see it anywhere. Uh, it never popped up. And so it worked out in our favor. I just talked all week about controlling what we can control. Go play the best game we can. And try to, you know, kind of get the taste of our mouth of, of the game we played against Juan. We didn't play well and frustrated about that. So I, I feel like the kids handle it, handle it uh, as, as good as you, as you could. So is it a situation of good news you get to play San Diego State, but bad news you have to play San Diego State? <laughs> yeah, they're a good football <laughs> team and catching them on the road. Yeah, you know, I, we'll take the challenge. Yeah, we'll take the challenge. I think um, what we do offensively, you know, can create some problems for them. They, the one game they lost, Fresno, kind of spreads you out a little bit, and and so there's some similarities there. Um, I think we've learned some things about us defensively, and hopefully we'll approach. Uh, you know, this game in a way that gives us the best chance to be successful. But, I mean, we don't have to be better than them every day of the week. We just got to be better on Saturday at noon. And uh, we'll, we'll prepare that way to, to, to you know, really go in with a game plan that minimizes the, the uh, mismatches that we're going to see. There are going to be some and really plays to our strengths. And it's, it's helped us win some games this season that, honestly, on paper we weren't supposed to win. So why not another one? So San Diego State changed quarterbacks in the middle of the game. That was part of the spark. Also, the early start maybe was part of it, too. But uh, do you prepare for both quarterbacks in that case? Brookshire's played in five games now, although that's the first game he's played in in more than a month. Yeah, I think we kind of have to. We we don't really know what to expect. We've seen both be effective. and I mean, you don't win 11 games with two different quarterbacks playing unless they both bring some value to things. So. I think we have to have the approach that we could see either or both, kind of similar to what we, we dealt with going into San Jose. 
Um, it, it, it presents some issues for us, obviously, because they don't they don't play exactly the same style of ball. But I think we're pretty pretty. Um, I don't know. They don't disguise a whole lot. They, you know what they want to do. They want to run the ball at you and play great defense and control the control the clock and and find out how physical you can play. So regardless which one up is out there, that, that's going to be the challenge defensively. We got to we got to find a way to own the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I wouldn't think there'd be any surprises because you look at Hoke. He was a a Big Ten guy. He coached under Long. He coached with Long. He succeeded Long. And it's it's basically you know what they're all about. The thing that I'm a little concerned with for you guys is you've spoken – uh, in in a sense of that you need to get bigger and that type of thing and uh, uh, t- t- this San Diego State team to an extent reminds me of like a BYU team in terms of their size and their strength and all that type of stuff. How much does that concern you because you've been up front saying that's an area that you need to address? Yeah, it's absolutely a concern. It, it, you know, we're going to have to try to use speed and quickness. We're going to have to be really smart with our personnel packages to try to match their size. They're one of the biggest teams in the league. You know, he's built that team that way on purpose and doesn't have to go too far from home to find the guys to do it. Uh, you know, there's been a, at times this year we've been a little bit more effective at it than others and been able to disguise a little bit of that. So, But we're going to have to hold point some way, somehow. We're going to have to hold point, and we can do that with adding extra bodies. We can do that with movement. We can do that with some sub-personnel packages. So I think we're going to have to attack the problem every way we can and then hopefully offensively we can make them really uncomfortable and create a tempo that's uncomfortable for them. And, and in some games, as we've seen earlier in the year, you know, maybe change the tempo of the game and make it a little bit more of our style of game than, than theirs. And that would be, you know, that would be huge for us if we can get that kind of game going. Do you think that they will even try to run the ball outside the numbers that much, or are they really just going to run it right at you and stay inside the tackles? You know, they like outside zone. I don't think they'll get too far away from what they do. Uh, outside zone, power, inside zone, those things are we're going to have to stop them. At, we, you know, we did a great job against Colorado State. We did a terrible job against Wyoming. So there's some similarities. Uh, you know, we, at times we, we did a good job against Boise and BYU, and at times they just, I mean, right through us. So it's going to be uh, all the things we've learned through the season, figuring out what's our best answers against this particular group. I don't think they'll change personnel. They're good at what they do. It's got them 11-1. and one. I think they stay within their personality, and we're going to have to find a way to defend it. And so I would expect outside zone power, inside zone, and and you know then athletic quarterbacks that, that that clearly can move the chains. And one of the best punters in the country that's going to flip the field, and, and we're going to have to play our best ball to to find a way to win. Any concern about a happy to be here mentality? I sure hope not. First conversation we have, man, is it, it's not enough just to get there, man. You get this opportunity maybe once a lifetime. Uh, some of these guys are almost done with their career. You need to you need to squeeze every ounce of juice out of it you can. Let's go let's go find a way to win. I like the the way they approached it coming out of the locker room, the body language and the you know, just the way they responded to me was good. Uh we'll hit it again, you know, every day this week. And I've been in this situation before, uh and and each team kinda handles it differently. Uh, hopefully this group will go there hungry and, and excited about the opportunity and, and and really challenged to try to find a way to win it, not not just happy to take the trip. Are there going to be some Aggie fans happy to uh, pick up 20 to 30 degrees in the weather, maybe go to the beach and uh, follow you guys down there? Yeah, I would think so. Now, it's supposed to be pretty here in town all week, so 
we've been pretty fortunate. But yeah, I think there's a there'll be some trips to L.A. People excited about being out there and seeing the sunshine on the beach. Recruiting is open now. I think you can make uh, visits and all that stuff. How are you balancing that this week? Well, you know, obviously having to use Zoom and phone and FaceTime, to let guys know, hey, we'd love to be there, but we've got we've got work to do. The people that are that are coming by to see you this week, it's because they're not playing. And uh, you know, I'd rather be playing and and making phone calls than than being out on the out on the road this week. We'll we'll hammer it next week as heavy as we can, and, and get to December signing day, but. To me, this is a good problem to have. When you're playing, there's only there's only a handful of schools that are they're still working. Everybody else is out recruiting. I, I'd rather be playing a game this week. I suppose you could probably have a few California kids that you're talking to uh, show up at the game. Uh, we may have some guys. We are recruiting some dudes in the area, and we can't have contact with them. But it would not surprise me if some guys made the trip. Well, Coach, good luck on the trip there. The Mountain West Conference title game Saturday on Fox against San Diego State. Good luck, and we will talk to you next week. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Blake Anderson, Utah State football coach, join us here on the Zone Sports Network. All right, when we come back, your feedback, everything you've had to say about today's show coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ PK brought to you in part by Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of America Standard Furnace, American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for their $59 furnace tune-up special or visit them online at leesheatac.com. Well, PK. Yes. Little bit of NFL breaking news you just shared during the break. Cowboys. Virus out, coaches, but players okay, at least so far. Yeah, so they'll miss their head coach, they'll miss a bunch of assistants, but uh, no, they'll be ready to play. I think I think they'll be okay coaching wise. You think Bob Stoops is going to take over? Bob Stoops is taking over how many teams? <laughs> <laughs> well, one's uh, what? It's the bowl game, so he's got a few weeks. Because they're not, uh, who is it, uh, Baylor and, uh, who are they playing? Uh, Oklahoma State, right? In, yes. In the title It game. is Baylor and Oklahoma State. Yeah. So they don't have anything to do there. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do there. It's an unfortunate situation. I think, we've been, I think, though, we've been fortunate, relatively speaking, as far as the, the, the season hasn't been too uh, interrupted because of that stuff. College, it's the USC-Cal game getting rescheduled to this weekend. That's, that's the one, right? Other than that, the colleges have pretty much gone off as scheduled. Yeah, there's been games, like for instance, the Cal game against Arizona, and they had most of their guys out because of this stuff that apparently is just frustrating Wilcox beyond belief in mm-hmm. Berkeley to the point where I you know, heard that he's considering leaving if he has another opportunity. We'll see how that plays out. I've already heard Sonny Dykes to Oklahoma. Sorry, TC. I, I got him better. <laughs> I was there for half a minute. Yeah. Obviously, Oklahoma is a better program than TCU, although TCU is a good program uh, and has been for a number of years, as we knew firsthand when they were in the Mountain West. But you know, and Sonny Dykes is—he's really good on offense. He's proven that a million times over. He's like Rich Rod without all the extra drama. Uh, we got a report here that uh, Sam Charanius says uh, Michael Porter Jr. expected to miss the remainder of the season due to back surgery. He's got a five-year extension kicking in, but he and the Nuggets are going big picture on his health and his back. 
they're already without Murray for a big part of this year. Their game under 500 at 9 and 10. So just get through this season and try to get the band together next year. That's the way it looks like it's training for the Nuggets, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. There is the breaking news. All right. Uh, your feedback on today's show. Uh, please tell PK that nobody cares who votes for who, who. Nobody cares whether he's conservative or liberal or in between or far left or far right. Nobody, nobody, nobody cares, PK. Did I mention nobody? That's from Mike Scotty Toddy. I would agree with that. <laughs> but you mentioned politics once early in the show. And apparently he cares because that's an awfully long tweet for somebody who doesn't care. Well, I like to tweak on that stuff, but I don't care. You can be whatever you want. I, I choose to be nothing. I'm like BYU. I'm an independent. Uh, we got a lot of takes on... Uh, I, mean, I lean hardcore liberal, that's for sure. Really? Yeah. Uh, we've got a lot of takes Compared here. to you, you're so freaking right. It's ridiculous. <laughs> we got a lot of takes here on USC... <laughs> On USC, uh, hire an Oklahoma's coach away. We're going to have to uh, put that up and get people's reaction and dive into that tomorrow. What uh, ethnicity are you? What? What ethnicity are you? <laughs> Why do you ask? Just tell me. <laughs> no. Come on, English? What, Scottish? You just give me one. Uh, so, yeah, on my, uh, on my dad's side of the family, going to my dad's dad, English. Yeah, well. My, gr- my mom's mom, Swedish. If you ain't a Republican, you ain't English. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Well, okay, Biden. Ah, there you go. <laughs> what do you got? Uh, people all over the map on uh, on the hire here. On what hire? On Riley jumping from Oregon to USC, jumping into the Pac-12. Actually, Oklahoma, but oh yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, two things are going to happen to Riley. One, he'll either get fired in a few years, or two, he'll dominate because the Pac-12 stinks. Oregon and Utah are keeping the Pac-12 above water, just ahead of the ACC, from becoming the worst P5 conference. Yeah, so? Two paths. Well, you're either going to win or you're going to lose. <laughs> right. <laughs> and at USC, they're paying you a lot of money. And now, apparently, they're paying a lot more money. Yeah, and then the next guy who succeeds Lincoln Riley, whenever that might be, that could be 20 years, is going to get paid more money than he got. Blah, blah, blah. I just don't get in what they're making. They're all making outrageous amounts of money, and good for them. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We'll dive into all that tomorrow. Coming up next, Jake and Ben, and they've got tickets to the Jazz and the Pelicans tonight, it's and they'll the give those tickets w- tonight. Why did I say Pelicans? They're playing the Pelicans <laughs> three times in four days. Got to get Pelicans out of my brain. The Jazz playing the Trailblazers tonight, and they've got tickets, and they're giving them away at ten thirty right here on the Zone Sports Network.